0: And introducing a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing, on the mic, it's Mariah Carey. Yes, we are talking about the diva of divas, the superstar vocalist whose unstoppable voice dominated the charts of the 90s and 2000s, making her one of the best-selling and most respected vocal artists of all time. We'll be taking a look at her traumatic but resilient life story, her wildly power-imbalanced marriage to Columbia Records exec Tommy Mottola, and eventual career emancipation and success all through her harrowing but hilarious 2020 memoir, The Meaning of Mariah Carey. But first, let's introduce our own guest. She is a friend of the show, Casual Lamb. It's at It's a Jasmine. Jasmine, welcome to the show.
1: I'm kind of an introducing stand, so I'm really excited to be here. I'm so
2: happy you're here. Uh, I've been following you on Twitter for a while, and you're—I would say—you're the only person I follow on Twitter who your opinions are 100% correct. So <laughs> I love. I'm just validation. like happy to have you here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, we are very happy to have you here, Jasmine. It's great to have you on the show. I do want to start off with a bit of a uh, uh, a warning, though. This does not mean you should email us to invite yourself on the show. <laughs> If you're a fan of the show, we'll find you. We'll find and ask you. Ask you to come on. Okay, not wait, the other can way Share
1: how I got on the show, though. <laughs> elite, elite users only. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so because Molly and I are mutuals on Twitter, I felt comfortable doing this. Hundred percent. So you're one of my oomphs. <laughs> not <oops>. um, so <laughs> I went back and found this. So literally back in January. I, I added you randomly. It was like at Miss Molly Mary. Um, so if you and Chris ever do Mariah on the show, I would I volunteer myself as a guest. I haven't stopped yep. thinking about the book for months. Yeah, <laughs> And then she sent me a DM like really soon after and was like, no, totally. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, no, and now, we're like we're so eight months seven months later, we're finally doing it yeah,
0: well, you had <laughs> to wait for us to cover every punk band of the eighties, no yeah, totally. it was
1: <laughs> neat like you'd already announced that, so I was like, okay, I'm not expecting this until like this summer, so yeah, yeah our lead time, time is um <laughs> our lead time is is
2: poor, I would say, yeah, <laughs> it's we do not have the best um. Uh, well, look, like, margins.
0: That's one of the joys of doing this pod so casually, is because usually when a book like Mariah Carey's memoir comes out, like, if we were really chasing that clout, we'd be like, instantly, gotta do, jump on the train, ride the press cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we ha- we can afford to take some time on these things. However, uh, the publication of a Mariah Carey memoir is one of those events where, you know, we basically like, okay, well, we have to do this at some <laughs> point. Like, this is a big enough one that that... An, an important event, a seismic event in the world of artists' memoirs that, that it, it basically, you know, there is no decision to be made. It is automatic that it has to come on the pod. So this, this has been a long time coming, and I'm very much looking forward to talking about this because apparently the book is quite good.
1: It's very good. It is. And if you notice on the cover, so it has obviously Mariah Carey in big letters, but it also says with Michaela Angela Davis. So she didn't use like a ghostwriter. She was like a real co, um, co-writer, co-author. Yeah.
2: I always respect people a little more if they shout it out and give like the very upfront credit because I feel like it ends up being a better book usually.
1: No, totally, and not to be like totally a stan, but like you know, Mariah writes her own music. She's a lyricist. She's a songwriter. So it's like, okay, you would actually trust her to write a legitimate book compared to like Sebastian Stan. Not Sebastian. (laughs) 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 I don't even watch Marvel movies. Sebastian Bach. Yes.
0: There's Sebastian Bach should play Sebastian Stan's dad and something. I've seen him act; he's not bad. Uh, well,
2: and all Sebastian cast.
0: So let's start as we uh, as we always do, going a bit around and kind of saying how we come into this episode about our experiences with Mariah. I, I imagine you, your two your two ladies' uh, experiences will be much more in depth than mine. So <laughs> I'll, I'll just go first and, and you know kind of go through that. Like you know, obviously, Mariah Carey in the '90s, '2000s, inescapable. You 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 can't uh, you know not be aware of her presence. Uh, Just, I will say that like the genre, the whole like genre of that kind of like vocalist oriented pop was just not very much, not my thing. So it it wasn't something that I uh, really paid attention to at its heyday um, other than its, you know, general inescapability Um, though, you know, as time goes on and I became more, uh, uh, I would not know, worldly about music. I certainly could appreciate how, just how good, Uh, she is at the thing that she does even if it's not my main thing so uh you know never anything but uh but you know distanced respect for for mariah carey uh though i may this might this might divert into a long tangent early in the show i do have to say that uh i the christmas song all i want for christmas is is not one of my favorites i find it's 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 uh, He's canceled. omnipresence. Uh, yes. We're not
1: doing this.
2: Weird no. hell. <laughs> I will kick I you can't. off your own podcast, dude.
0: I, it, I find it's omnipresence irritating, though I do have to admit, again, respect, she, that taking the, the place of being the only artist in my lifetime to put a new Christmas song into Literally. the canon Come on. is incredibly impressive. Even if the song itself, I'm like, I, I, I could not hear this song again and be fine. You
2: got to hand it to her, man.
1: I
0: do have to hand it to her. It's not like "Don't Stop Believing," where I actually actively think the song is bad and it's overplayed, so that just makes it more grating. I just, I just find it overplayed. See
1: Perry for no reason, like <laughs> wow.
0: Well, I've talked about my dislike of uh, "of Don't Stop Believing" on the show before, but it's not in that realm. It's just Even something I, I hear too much, <laughs> especially the Glee version. I blame <laughs> that for bringing it back so hard in the last decade. So that that's me. Always. Uh, uh, um, respectful but never quite into and don't really know much about her her life story so i'm excited to learn okay i can be i can be turned into a stand through this episode
2: yes all right jasmine what's your mariah history
1: so like chris said she was so omnipresent in the 90s and as a a increasingly elderly millennial Mm -hmm. like i came of like sentience around the time that she was becoming popular um but i would say like my my relationship really began with her circa like 95 so this was like fantasy fantasy remix always my baby like the whole daydream era and i remember i went to school with this girl who could play always be my baby on the piano and i was like just stunned i was like that's the coolest thing ever (laughs) um and then like kind of later on like i was still kind of casually in the music but then in middle school i became friends with like this girl who was like stans didn't exist back then but she was basically a mariah stan and she was like encouraging me to like get into her discography because by then she already had like seven or eight albums and compared to like listening to like the backstreet boys or Insane, who only had like one or two i was like wait this is too much like this is overwhelming (laughs) so she was probably the first artist who's like who had like a discography that i could really get into and it's like just ever since like like the music for me has always been like number one like the brand and like the diva image and like Oh, that's cool, but like to me, it's like she is so talented. Her lyrics are everything. Her voice is, of course, like she's kind of like the Seinfeld of music, right? Like everyone who Mm -hmm. who proves they they want to sing, like they do like the Mariah runs and they try to do the whistle and the melisma and all that stuff. But it was like Mm -hmm. none of that was really a thing before like her and Whitney, you know? Like she, Mm -hmm. and it's like it seems so common and like mundane now, but it's like she was like a pioneer of that style and so not to get all standing like I'm not like I don't do stand Twitter stuff but I will say that like <laughs> if you're a Mariah fan it's really easy to get into that because like she has the charts in the sales <laughs> right up. right <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, like you could literally be like my fave outsold and it's like it's
2: true it's true <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was gonna do you know what's the, the general like tenor of the um Mariah like the lambs on Twitter is because I feel like I haven't seen them as much as like
1: Swifties or or Barbs yeah, or whatever because I think Kirsten's skew like a little bit older like they Mm -hmm. these are the the people who are like on message boards right so it's like (laughs) they're probably like like late 30s early 40s um but it is fascinating um i follow a few like young lambs like people who got into who were like born by the time she was already kind of like commercially peaked and it's just Mm -hmm. so interesting to see their relationship with her because it's like it's, like, it's like a weird, like, it's, like, a weird contradiction of, like, they're applying their, like, Gen Z lens to somebody who was, like, in the 90s, you know? And it's, like, mm-hmm. this weird, like, it's, like, so, to me, the thing about stan culture is, like, you build this super, like, parasocial relationship with your fave. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. thing about, like, people like Mariah or, like, Whitney or Michael is, like, they were so, like, bigger than life, right? Like, yep. and they weren't so accessible. Like, they're not, like, a an olivia rodrigo or like a Billie eilish right where like they make you feel like you're friends with them and like they're so relatable it's like you can't relate to mariah carey like you can't relate to <laughs> beyond, yeah. or Beyonce, like kind of like that last generation of celebrities yeah right and so yeah. it's 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 interesting to see that that relationship build between them and we, she gets into it into the book a little bit i hope we talk about this like how yeah. like how she feels about her fans and social media because it's It's jarring.
0: (laughs) It it is interesting because I also think that Mariah Carey is kind of a, a, at least from what I know about her, kind of a bridge to the more uh, standable generation of pop stars in that her music tracks with her life, but it isn't quite as purposely autobiographical. Like, you know, when Taylor Swift has a new album out, it's like, this is the new album that is also autobiographically about a new stage in my life. And when you're tracking that as a fan, you're like tracking not just the albums, but the story. And I feel like the the first batch of Mariah albums are more like the classically like here's just a bunch of great so- great songs. Mm-hmm. And then, but she does also have one li- an album literally about her like changing career, or the Emancipation of Mimi, right?
1: Exactly, or,
0: or at least char uh you know titled with that. So it kind of is one of those things where like no, this album is about the story of Mariah Carey. And I think I feel like that becomes more and more of a thing that binds pop stars to their audiences as as time goes on.
1: Absolutely. And I will say that like Mariah always snuck in a couple of ballads that were like autobiographical. Like she would always have a song about feeling like alienated, or songs that would kind of hint at like her traumatizing childhood and songs about Mm -hmm. empowerment. And it's like, of course, everyone can kind of connect with that. And if you're once you really get into like the Mariah Carey lore and you like go through her <laughs> interviews, it's like, oh, like she was kind of hiding in plain sight the whole time. You know, like mm-hmm. af- especially after reading the book and then going back and watching interviews, it's like, oh, she was telling us this the whole time, and like we
0: yeah. weren't really paying attention. So she gave yeah. us all the clues.
1: She gave us all the
2: clues. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> gave Mariah gave us all the clues. Um, I I feel similarly. I grew up with Mariah Carey. I believe the first album, which my father must have bought, was number ones. I think that was what I was like had. Which of course, like, hello, that's a great introduction to a, an artist. Is just like here's fucking fourteen like number of one her songs number ones, and then a yeah. four random Insane. songs. Yeah, um, <laughs> love to always be my baby. When I was a kid, that was like one of my favorites. Of course, you try to sing along to it, and then you're like, this doesn't sound good. It's Why like doesn't this sound good? Easy. <laughs> like it, yeah, it's it's very confi- very um disheartening to do that for the first time, uh. And loved my honestly my favorite. I love the um, love all I <laughs> all I want for Christmas is you. I once sang that at karaoke, probably like six or seven years ago, <laughs> and it was like a public karaoke room. And they handed me the mic and a guy came up to me basically trying to sing it with me. And I was like, no, No. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't trust you to take this journey with me. So (laughs) um, I will be doing this by myself. And that's that's basically how I I feel like Moriah Care is very like. I hear, heard her on the radio a bunch and just I re-listened to a bunch of her stuff and was just like, this is so fucking good. Vision of Love is also like my number one Mariah Carey song of all time. Uh, I Sometimes I get into a Vision of Love hole and I just listen to that like 10 times in a row. It's normal. Um, but I a, a lot of this book was news to me in terms of her life, especially I think the way she was marketed uh, was different than the way her life actually was. And I yep. think we can get uh, get into that a little bit. But yeah, that's me to me and Mariah. We go back like babies, babies, babies pacifiers. with pacifiers. <laughs> I was a baby,
0: pretty much. Well, well for the sake of uh, Molly, what you assure me is the the denseness of this tone. Yeah. Should we go ahead and jump yeah, into the let's Mariah get into story?
2: It. I'm so yes. curious
1: how you're going to organize this. It's a lot. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's
2: so much. It was it was difficult. Um, okay, so Mariah Carey, born on March 27th, 1969, or her 1970, mother... or 1970. <laughs> 19... Yes. Oh my God! See, that's the most iconic behavior of all time—is when you can't figure out the year <laughs> somebody was born. I love that so much. That, same with Claire Saffitz from the Bon Appetit world. Also, doesn't actually have a confirmed birth year. So, Cute. Um, her mother was a Juilliard-trained opera singer uh, of uh, Irish descent. Her father was a black veteran and an aeronautical engineer. Uh, Mariah understood her mom as like a culturally open bohemian as a young <laughs> woman who was essentially excommunicated from her family when she married a black man. They She had three children. The marriage did not last much long after uh, Mariah was born. Uh, her father had obviously an incredibly difficult life being a black man in America, including being uh, while he was stationed at his base, accused of raping a white woman. Until and was basically imprisoned until another culprit happened to be found. Um, so that's obviously extremely fucked up. Mariah describes him as someone who trusted reason to help him exist in an absurd world, uh, living an austere lifestyle. Uh, she used the word and- Shaolin, right? Like, yes, <laughs> 100%. Like he had, like he, at one point she describes, like he has this car that he wants to renovate and repaint, except this specific shade of candy apple red just doesn't (laughs) exist anymore. And he would rather not paint the car than paint it any other shade, which I feel like says a lot about him as a vibe. Uh,
0: And also, maybe an early uh, uh, implication of exacting standards uh, being nurtured in the family.
2: Yes. Yeah. So, obviously. Father has a difficult life. Mother has a difficult life by uh, marrying a black man and being disowned. Uh, she has yeah three kids. Mariah has two older siblings, a sister, Allison, and a brother, Morgan. And the way she describes them, she says, the two of them had a similar energy that seemed to block light. Uh some of her first memories are of violence between her family members, like a time when her brother and father physically fought and when the cops were called, she said she didn't know if they had come to save us or kill us oh, wow. because it was the 1970s yes. in Long Island. was
1: fully like three years old, which is also yeah. terrifying. Yeah.
2: yeah. So she's ha- she grew up in a very volatile environment, which I think part of that was, and she recognizes that that's the way society is kind of imprinted on both of her parents and the way they treated her and the way they treated uh, her siblings and the way their siblings were treated out in the world. Um, This is all stuff I obviously had no idea about when I was a simple fan of Mariah in the 90s and 2000s.
0: Yeah, I think it's like one of those things that you kind of understand about her life story is like, oh, she's she's biracial. But then it's not until you uh, really sit down and think about what that would mean. That would mean when you're a little older that that it would.
1: Yeah. Because by the time he gets to the nineties, like I mean, like she was like the ideal, like for, I don't know, like manifestation of like womanhood, right? Like she was ambiguous and she had like the wavy hair and mm-hmm. and like she was exotic looking and like that was totally the vibe by then. Yeah, and it's like she grew up in like freaking Long Island in the seventies. Yeah. Like it was not the vibe back then. Like <laughs> no, <laughs> no. She said she,
2: you know, she was dealing with the The way she describes the racism she experiences, she says, uh a, each time she encountered it, a piece of purity was ripped from my being." Like it just sounds yeah. like fucking. It was like she, what did she say? Miserable. It was like the reverse of a first kiss. Oh my god! Oh gosh! So yeah, she she talks about she her she has a teacher who literally mocks her for using the wrong crayon to draw her father. women
1: freaking suck. They did it on purpose. They did it on purpose. Like no, so she was in, like. she's like four years old you know the assignment was like draw a picture of your family so she drew a picture of her family and she used the brown crayon for her father and then like one of the like she said it was like one of like the young like student assistants or whatever came over and was like oh what are you doing Mariah and then she starts like tackling was like you used the wrong crayon and then she gets all her friends to come over and they are like laughing at her and like of course drawing attention to her and everyone's like staring at Mariah and it's like you know, Mariah was like, "Oh, well, they only ever saw my mother drop me off," and it's like, mm-hmm. "No, they—they they know what an interracial relationship is. They did it on purpose. Mm. It was like it was violence. It was—it was, it was yeah. white woman violence." I was like, hundred so percent." Disgusting. It's so fucked.
2: It just like the way she describes it, and I feel like Mariah, especially, just so sensitive to this idea of like children being innocent and then adults just doing all of these things to basically take your innocence away from you yep um and then meanwhile she has she's experiencing this basically colorism kind of within her own family because she's lighter skinned than her siblings okay and and so she's passing in a weird way did you see what her siblings look like did you see
1: the pictures of her siblings Uh, yeah it (sighs) okay i like i know racism is completely logical but (laughs) all three of these children are very light. Like, <laughs> it's not like there are some families, like some interracial families where it's like, there's like a wide color spectrum, right? Where it's like one mm-hmm. sibling is like, and the other other sibling looks like they're like Irish. And it's like, there's there's like very little difference between the three of them. Mm-hmm. to me, <laughs> just yeah, sorry, based right. from what I've seen in pictures. <laughs> right. But it's like, I do think a lot of it was because, as Mariah said, like those two grew up and like their family was still intact, right? So, like their, their mom and dad were still together. And so it's like, they got the full force of like what being ostracized for being part of like a mixed family looks like. Whereas mm-hmm. the time Mariah came along, like her parents were already like practically divorced and like she was like the blondish looking, like kind of white adjacent looking girl with her white mom. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, Oh my God! All these dynamics were so. I think she did a really good job of kind of capturing like how like ridiculous it all is, but also like how so many little like racism manifests itself in like these little stupid like nuanced ways. That's kind of like. I don't know. I just I I just felt really sorry for little Mariah. Like just reading it was so sad and hair. Oh, we're gonna get into the harrowing parts, but yeah. Just
2: right, sad. it's just, like, the li- you're so right that just, like, the dumb things that clearly she still, re- like, you just remember because not that much stuff has even happened to you exactly. in your life because you're a baby.
1: Totally. And
0: it, it also seems like her, the span of her lifetime is a time when even the idea of being biracial is, like, a, a fully recognized concept that is, like, maybe its own category as opposed to, you know, from when she was born to, around when she was born and growing up, it was, like, no, you... We need categories for this thing. You get you get to be one or the other, Uh, and so you know those Mm -hmm. subtle gradations carry much more weight. And yeah, and then I mean I'm sure we'll we'll learn more about her hardships in the '90s. But yeah, that that transition into the '90s and 2000s is like, oh no no no, this is its new category of things. And then even to now when it's like, okay, that will even in the pop star world, maybe that can even be an asset in some Mm -hmm. ways. (laughs) But that is like, yeah, (laughs) but that's like the the scope of her life is is that. The arc of uh, of accepting mm-hmm. that kind of thing.
1: No, totally, because it, yeah, from like nineteen sixty nine or seventy or whatever to <laughs> nineteen <laughs> to the nineteen nineties, like everything changed so quickly and so rapidly, and it was like probably most parents wouldn't be equipped to deal with it, but I feel like her parents were like uniquely unequipped to deal with it. Yes, like her mom, like was like a weird, she like I don't know, weird, like racist, like fetishizing. Thing going on, like, yep. I, I get the sense that like she pretty she basically mar- married Mariah's dad as like an act of like rebellion, mm-hmm. and then her dad was like, you know, he was like for military guy, and like of course. Dealt, like he was also mixed himself like venezuelan and and black and like the venezuelan side of his family he wasn't really close to so it was like only the black side and like he was really into like you know the respectability of politics at that time of mm-hmm. like okay if you perform in a certain way you can exceed in this or succeed in this um mm-hmm. meritocracy you know and, and mm-hmm. it's like then you have, like, little weird Mariah, who's just like, I just want to sing and do artistic <laughs> endeavors. <laughs> and, like, her parents are so, like, both neglectful but also, like, actively abusive. And it's just like... There's a... Oh, there's a scene where um her mom and her brother get into it, and her yeah. brother throws her mom against a wall to the point where she passes out, basically. Mm-hmm. And Jesus. the police come, and then um Mariah... No, the police come, and the and they look at Mariah and they're like, "It would be a miracle if this
0: one makes it." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like tell that to her face.
1: Literally, yeah,
2: yeah. It's so
1: bleak, so
0: bleak, so bleak. Yeah,
2: it's I don't know. Yeah, I, the the thing about her parents being uniquely like it's this weird combination of like n- kind of ignorance, neglect, and then like just letting her be in these completely chaotic situations. Like, for example, after. Uh, her parents split up her mom starts dating this string of what sounds like pretty much inappropriate men like one of the good ones still ends up threatening to murder them both after they break up and mariah goes back into their house to save their cat when it's like actively understood that he might want to kill them like shit like that where i'm just like i don't even know how you process this yeah
1: it's like her mom was like in the car and mariah's like i have to go back and get my cat and her mom's just like okay
2: Like, this guy, like, is
1: holding a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's a, like, just perfect storm of everything. But it does, I mean, this is where Mariah Carey is just, like, fucking special. Because she's like, yeah, I had a dream that I was going to be, like, a singer. And I held on to that and kind of blocked everything out in order to make that happen. She was
1: fully, like, manifesting before we were all manifesting. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Right. yeah she yeah she could she could have done this book like very uh like self-helpy in a way, but she, she just, she's just she's telling the facts. Uh, what else about her childhood? There's you know, besides her her mom kind of keeping her in this uh sense of chaos, her sister has an even like crazier story in some sense like her her older sister is fifteen years old when she gets pregnant by a, a soldier member yes. of the united states army yeah uh, so they move like the philippines or whatever they move to the philippines and she has the baby and then she comes back a few years later and like the they don't really say what they say what happens oh to the
1: speaking of her parent their parents being insane her mom is basically like you should get an abortion and her dad is like oh you should have the baby as long as you get married it's like <laughs> so. So, wait. Did
0: the entire family move to the Philippines, or just, no, just the, the sister, uh, si- the sister just and the, the sister like military 16. husband, or the military yeah. boyfriend? Yeah. Yep. And they
1: yeah. did. They did get married somehow. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Where I basically
2: is like, I don't know what happened for those few years, but she came back, and there was also a situation where uh, they had to basically split up between family members where uh, Mariah's brother couldn't live with his dad because they were kind of diametrically violently opposed. Mariah wanted to live with her mom. Allison felt kind of betrayed and abandoned, Um, ended up uh, falling into, like, drug addiction and prostitution and then turning that attention on Mariah when Mariah is an adolescent, when she's 12 years old. So she shares this consecutive string of stories where... You know, Allison starts bringing her over to the house where she lives with her pimp. She's, like, basically plying her with juicy juice and snacks that she doesn't get to have because they can't afford it at home. One day, she drops off Mariah at her mom's house and literally offers her a pinky nail full of cocaine, saying, like, NBD, give it a shot. Um, She then... Uh, She calls her late at night over and over in basically drug induced hysteria, which leaves Mariah exhausted for school the next day. Uh, Then there's a situation where uh, Allison's pimp basically picks up Mariah alone, brings her to like a weird room where a bunch of men are hanging out and then to a drive in movie theater where he almost assaults her, kisses her again. She is 12 years old. Uh, and it isn't if if it weren't for someone observing them together, an elderly white man, and basically Im- kind of imposing his self on them. Where who knows what have fucking happened? And then finally, not to keep piling on the trauma, but there's a situation where Mariah and Allison are at her mom's house, and their father calls, and she tries to hand the phone to Allison to have him talk to her, and she pours scalding tea on Mariah. Which gives her third-degree burns and basically melts her shirt into her back. And her Mariah is top. incredible because she says, "I loved that. I fucking loved that top." <laughs>
1: uh, and she was like, was like a not only horrified, and white diagonal stripe top or something that she like <laughs> loved. Oh, and you forgot the time when Mariah was over at Allison's house with her friends, and then someone gave her like a whole pill of volume. Yes, and she passed out, and she has yep. no idea what happened. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: so what I'm hearing is it's not just a bad father situation or a bad mother situation or a bad sibling situation. It is literally all spokes of her family are uh, causing trauma, anxiety from from ev- there. There, there is no escape within the family life. Nope.
1: And she talks about like when she's like three or four, like she starts like singing to herself, and like that's how she gets into music. It's like a way of like self soothing, basically. And it's like she has this particularly fraught relationship with her mom because her mom was a trained opera singer and like saw the talent in Mariah, and so like they would have like this, this weird tension where like he, like her mom would like totally support Mariah and like introduce her to like her cool musician friends and like you know encourage her songwriting and her piano playing and stuff. And then you know there's a time when they're like in the car and that song, um, "Somebody's Watching Me," Rockwell and Michael Jackson's playing. And so her mom starts singing it in, like, this operatic voice. And Mariah, like, laughs at her and was like, that's not how you're supposed to sing it. And her mom <laughs> goes, oh, well, you'll never be half as talented as me or whatever. And it's just like, wow, okay. just
0: <laughs> Well, yeah. rated cool. true, that's not how you're supposed to sing it. Uh, <laughs> that's like, you know, when, uh, like, music, you're, if you've ever done, like, a, uh, karaoke or something with somebody who actually like knows how to sing and they're like really put the 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 professional singing voice on the karaoke song and i'm like that's not i mean i know that you're good but that's not how you're supposed to do it
1: (laughs) exactly it was like super like like a ton of like jealousy like her mom was super jealous of her
0: did her mom like Mm -hmm. work at all as an opera singer or did she just have the training
1: she she would do like voice lessons but i don't think she was like really working
0: okay Yeah. yeah Yeah. It was more like
2: bohemian, like she talks about. She like threw a party, and booked booked Mariah to sing and had her sing. Uh, oh God, like a Jefferson Airplane song. Oh, that was
1: her sister who had her. Oh, sing, her sister booked her. Yeah, sing um, White Rabbit for her and her friends. They did like a like a seance. And Mariah was fully like seven years old and was like, "This is weird." Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm always convinced, like, especially like children of artistic parents, like you do get a kind of a weird advantage in life because encouraging art in children is something that's I don't think universally done. And, And so when you find that, that's really great. But then when it's tempered with this just totally weird energy that basically continues for the duration of her relationship with her mother, which is like, she's jealous. You know, there's later times where she basically gets drunk at uh like fancy events that mariah brings her to and freaks out and like oh it's just like such a negative energy
1: and then her dad was like kind of shady because it's mm-hmm. like you have the sense that he was kind of like absent for a lot of her childhood like she talks about how you know they used to see each other every sunday and then that kind of got less and less frequent over time mm-hmm. and like it was like such a chore for him to pay for like part of his uh part of Mariah's like. Uh, performing arts summer camp thing like that was like her like mm-hmm. her one big like splurge, and then like she tells a story about how after it was after her first album had come out and like she was selling all these records and she had gotten two grammys and like she was talking to her dad about it and he goes like oh maybe you should become um, a producer like quincy jones so you can win more <laughs> grammys and it's like and she like in the book she's like oh okay you want me to become like this super well-renowned way more experienced Super talented, like extraordinary producer yeah. Quincy right. Jones,
2: like, like the once played. in a
0: lifetime. <laughs> yeah.
1: Am I not? Have I yeah. not
2: done
0: enough?
1: <laughs> like, right? Have I literally not done enough?
0: Yeah, just like two vocal Grammys, and then and like now I need to uh, like actually be producing the music.
1: By the way, the Grammys are a scam. You know, she's only won like five Grammys, and they've all That's been like insane. Yeah, like she got she didn't win any for like Daydream. Like she like. It was basically like after her first album, she didn't win any until like I want to say like the Emancipation of Mimi, and they gave her like three like R and B Grammys. Yeah, it's like oh, okay, like,
0: Grammys, like she didn't have like so the biggest
1: song of the decade with like the We Grammys Belong Together. Grammys
0: are together. so ridiculous. It's like anytime you like any given year when you go back to and look like what actually won the Grammys that year, if, if it's more than like five years ago, you're always like this is a this is a joke. This is a, this is a piece of comedy.
1: It's like U2's, like. 38th album that no one cared about. <laughs> or like Allison yeah. Krauss. Or like yes, Allison Krauss,
2: Grammy queen. <laughs> we need she must have like 18 Grammys. Low
0: we key. need we need to focus all our energy on getting Dave Grohl his 32nd Emmy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Emmy Plus,
0: or Emmy uh, sorry whatever. Grammy. Yeah, whatever. let's get him
2: to EGOT. <laughs> enough Grammys for he, him. Uh, he he w-
0: could easily do it. A
2: Foo I was supposed to say Foo Fighters musical, and mm. I'm like, I'm not really sure how that would work, but. I don't do know it. but the
1: best a, of you would have to be in it and I would watch him. i one of that totally. <laughs> uh, they, they
0: have the songs. I mean just write, write a simple they do it like moving out the Billy Joel musical and because Dave, it's Dave Grohl music I'm sure it would win a Tony. Sure. That man cannot stop winning awards.
2: Yeah. They love to they love to to la- laud him. Laud So the the other thing I kind of want to point out before we move on to the next phase of her life is the way Mariah Carey talks about these painful events from her past and the way she talks about the people is so amazing to me. Like this is clearly someone who has done some like great work in therapy and like really feels solid within herself. Like, for example, just like talking about her family life, she says, those people who have hurt me over and over whom I've escaped or walled off are deeply significant in my story, but they are not central to my existence. And then she uh, a bit later says, it's taken me a lifetime, She's specifically about her mother, it's taken me a lifetime to find the courage to confront the stark duality of my mother, the beauty and the beast that coexist in one person, and to discover there's beauty in all of us, but who loved you and how they loved you will determine how long it takes to realize it no totally it's like she's uh, she's done the work yeah yes
0: (laughs) it's it's very that that is uh shockingly uh well put and uh reason for one of these memoirs for us which can you know verge from from just lists of grievances to uh to i on one end to i would say this on the other yeah
1: but it's interesting because you know a lot of people were saying after the book came out that like oh she didn't take enough accountability and it's kind of like a lot of the book was just her recounting abuse and trauma and exploitation, and it's like, what do you want her to be accountable for? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. what do you like? Oh, when she was five years old, she should have been like better. She should have been like a better daughter. Like, what do you want from her? Right, that makes no sense. <laughs> I'm sure or there were like probably oh, a lot. Of she stuff should have she been a better out. wife. So, Tati Matoli. Will- totally wouldn't like abuse her like what what are you saying right
2: <laughs> when we were when chris was figuring out the intro he was like should i describe their marriage as tumultuous and i was like tumultuous is not even the right word for like what is like a total like whacked out uh imbalance of power like tumultuous implies that it's like two people uh causing T- way tumulting tumulting <laughs> <laughs> this is just a what. this is one-sided tumult um let, but let's let's move on into her, you know, the beginnings of her professional career. She's writing songs from an early age. By the time she's in high school, she's basically in the Long Island music scene. She's making demos. What she's did she doing say? Like, she was like a big fish in a puddle. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which is so funny. I just like I love I love that energy from her. Um, she's like well, getting comfortable I also in the love, studio.
0: Yeah. Well, I also love the just the idea of the Long Island music scene because it is like New York's right here. So if you're in the area and you want to be a musician. <laughs> If you really want to do it, you you would probably come to New York. But yeah. if you're staying That's in Long Island, so you, like are, long you are you are literally especially. in the puddle. She
1: yeah. gets there. it's funny. She talks about like she starts recording demos for these guys. She says they're they're like Wayne Wayne World type guys, like yeah. these, like weird like hippie like kind of like rocker dudes. And they're just kind of like okay, like she's good enough, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. like she'll sing songs for them and in exchange. They'll let her use the studio for a bit. But
2: yeah, it's I appreciate her hustle. And then also just kind of her blanket dismissal of like pretty much everyone she works with in the early days of like, I'm so far beyond, like, I'm just thinking bigger than you. she right.
1: was Yeah,
2: she <laughs> was. She has, we'll, we'll talk about this in a bit, but she has really good taste. That's one of the things I kind of remembered is that she's, I feel like she's always had her finger right on the pulse of like, what is like mm-hmm. good, hot, popular, and then that just like sells the shit out of it. So when she's with these Wayne's World guys, I'm sure she's just like, okay. <laughs> well,
0: I will say from there, even your brief sketch, they seem about like the most positive influences she's had or, or positive presences she's had in her life so far. Just uh, guys who might let her have some studio time.
1: Literally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't allude uh, to anything like untoward happening in exchange yeah, for the studio right. time. So yeah, right.
2: Yeah, the bar the bar is low. Bar, in hell, is a bar. yeah. Uh, but she she eventually moves to New York City. Also, the um the inciting incident for her moving is like her mom, I believe, either gets married or she gets she moves in with a guy, and she's like, I'm out, like I'm not <laughs> feeling yes, this anymore. it was
1: like some garbage bag of a guy, and she tells the story about how like they're all at, like a restaurant. It was like you know her, her mom, the guy, like um, Mariah's nephew or something, and the guy mm-hmm. is like, you two need to pay for your half of the meal to mariah and nephew and and i was like okay so she gives him like you know her last like wrinkled up ten dollars or whatever and it's just like i think that was like the final shot she's like i'm out like yeah <laughs> yeah
2: if i can leave i i will so yeah. she's she moves to new york she's extremely broke she says uh something had to give it was either breakfast or transportation so she's deciding between uh, a subway bagel. token and an h&h bagel
1: and <laughs> <laughs> she was like a bagel could hold me over until three but like a token would get me anywhere in the city <laughs> it's like i i was never that that broke
2: living in new york when i first moved here but there were definitely moments where i'm just like okay What's like the largest, densest, cheapest thing <laughs> I can buy? So, and often it was it was bagel. So I respect that. Totally. But she I'm- she works at a sport. She works at a sports bra a bar. She <laughs> <laughs> at a sports bra. Uh, she works at a sports bra on Seventh and Broadway called Sports. Mm-hmm. And she wears a T-shirt that says Sports on it across her boobs. Uh, well,
0: look, and- uh, Huey Lewis was very big at this time.
1: Sure. before sure. that she was working as like a coat check girl and like they were totally screwing her out of her tips and she was only getting like a dollar a coat. It yeah, like, for the- <laughs> It was just, so, it was like so janky and like so New York. Like to me, that's what moving to New York is. <laughs> yes. 100%. <Just laughs> and at the same time, she's like, day. New York
2: is so chic. It's so like gritty and glamorous. I just loved it here. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's, it's the best. <laughs> and it, well, I'm sure whatever... I can't remember. Was her cribs, was that a New York apartment? Yeah, I want to say it was like Tribeca. So classy. Goals. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, so she's, she's grinding in New York. She's finishing her demo. She's working with this producer named Ben Margulies, who's, I hate uh, him so much. Helping him, or helping her. And uh, he basically ropes her into a contract that he prints out from like a like music business for dummies. Yeah, book. like everything
1: you need to do about music. And it was hilarious because it was like co-written by some guy who ended up being her lawyer later. It was
0: like, that was irony. <laughs> it's like, well, look, look, the, the first business. piece of advice that I need to give you is never sign any of my any of my standard like, contracts. it was
1: a garbage contract. He got royalties off of her music basically from her first album through like 1999. Truly so insane. like half of her career basically he got yeah. royalties from um, and
2: amazingly the way she speaks about him again she says one must pick one's battles wisely and i wasn't about to come for someone who i had already left behind <laughs> i was on my way i'll be eternally grateful and i wish him well like this woman is the classiest woman <laughs> I've, I've ever I looked up
1: his wikipedia which is actually hilarious because first of all at the top you get the cita- the banner of like more citations needed. So it's like, okay, clearly he wrote it. So <laughs> he wrote it. And then it kind of talks about his early life or whatever. And then like three quarters of it is all about his work with Mariah Carey. Cause that's like all he's got
0: <laughs> that's notable. And he, did, and he did like one album with her, like her demos album.
1: Exactly. And like a bunch of those songs made it onto her album. But then after that, he, he worked with like Shaka Khan and then like a whole bunch of like nobodies. And it was like, I'm wow.
0: sure at every, uh, you know, backyard barbecue that he's ever been to, after that, he mm. has been made sure to say, go out of his way and say, you know, I produced the first Mariah Carey singles. Exactly.
1: You just know he's insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I do th- love that lo- story because she talks about how she had seen like some like, I don't think it was like behind the music, but something equivalent. And so she learned about like publishing and like owning your music. Yeah. She was like, she had learned about how the Beatles didn't own their music and she was like oh, wait, if even the Beatles are getting screwed, like, <laughs> I yeah. can't let this happen to me. And so she did, like, she refused. Someone had, like, offered, like, $5,000 for, like, one of her songs, and she was like, no, it's worth more than that. Yeah. And so she held she, out for, like, her she, real record deal. She
2: knew her worth, which, again, like, is... The the prescience is Im- very impressive because most people at this stage of their career would just be like, yeah, sure, $5,000, that sounds great. That's a lot of bagels.
0: Absolutely. We've done like a hundred of these episodes. <laughs> and can you think of one example of somebody going into the industry <laughs> at like a teenage or early 20s age and and literally anybody that we've ever covered who has held out on their first deal for no. a better deal?
1: No, like she was literally like... I want to I want to be on a big label. I want to be on Warner. I want to be on Columbia. I want to be with like the big legacy acts. She yeah. like she knew. Yeah. She knew what she was worth.
2: Yeah. She's incredible. That's so impressive. she has she has this demo which she refers to as the demo cap- capitalized. Uh and she goes to a party one night, her friend brings her, says, "You got to come to this party. It's for this guy Jerry Greenberg who is the president of Atlantic uh Records. Uh, and she's hanging out there for a while, like she's like kind of bored like industry she's like, What is this industry thing, whatever, and then meets this guy who says he he looked into me not at me and this guy <laughs> yeah, was like they like tommy they locked
1: eyes across the room like, like <laughs> super intense
2: <laughs> <laughs> like he his eyes bored bore into her soul and like oh, he's the, the, the thing about tommy Matola that i think she only referred to them this him as this a few times is
1: like he's creepy he's like a creepy yeah, guy <laughs> he's totally creepy <laughs> like, i forget exactly how much older he was than her at the time but like 21 older. years
0: i mean oh. the their their whole thing like all, right off the bat gives me very much a Phil and Ronnie Spector vibes.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. He was like, yeah, like twenty two years older than her. Yeah, God. So, so she he was like nineteen. So, but that's yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> he's nineteen years old
2: when she meets him, and he like snatches up her tape, and she's like a little annoyed because she's like, I don't have that many copies of this, like, <laughs> and he just like left, and then she was bored of the party, she left. Apparently, he listened to it in the car. Made the car turn around, came back to the party, tried to find her, and it was like literally a you know, Cinderella story, glass <laughs> slipper, exactly. uh demo tape. And then she kind of yada yada's oh. like it kind of glosses this over slide. the first like three years of a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> three years of a relationship, and like the first three years of her career, which yeah. it's it's funny because people do this a lot in books, where uh, it almost makes me think that there is some sort of brain disease that they kind of black out when they get successful
1: because that's it's it's a just, whirlwind, yeah. Like yeah, it's impossible is, to comprehend.
0: This is always frustrating to me because this is all this always the stuff that I want to know the most about. That's like, all right, tell me about. Like it first time in the studio. Tell me about how they set up yeah. the mics for you. Learning how to set up the mics for yourself. Tell me about the contract negotiations on your uh, first <laughs> record deal. Who? What was your the, your lawyer like? Where'd you meet it? Like all that stuff. That's exactly. like getting getting from the part where you are like a young singer with a demo to and then my record came out. Is like no. Tell me more about that middle part.
1: Yeah, exactly. Although I will say, um, before she gets into like the the Tommy Mottola of it all, she has two run ins. One with Romeo Blue, who, like, a year later goes by Lenny Kravitz. Like, she used to (laughs) hang out with his band. He had this band called, like, Maggie's Dream. And so, like, one of her friends introduced her to them, and, like, she would hang out, and, like, they would make fun of her for being a virgin. So, that was funny. (laughs)
0: Romeo Romeo Blue was Lenny Kravitz's first uh, stage name? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And she said he smelled like what she imagines ancient Egyptian oils smell like. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> like, like Muslim. yeah, totally like. <laughs> and then she talks about like meeting Will Smith. Yes. And how like he was like so friendly and hungry. This was like right after like parents just don't understand it come out. So he was like already a like, saying and he actually takes her to Def Jam Records cuz that's where he was signed at the time. Mm-hmm. And they're walking up to the building, and they actually run into like, oh, how do you say his name? Like Lee or Cohen or whatever. He's like out there, like just jamming the music. Oh yeah. And then so they actually go inside, and then like she actually ends up meeting with like some random like junior executive, and she's like, no, like this isn't this isn't what I want. Like, <laughs> I <don't> wanna... <laughs> yeah. And it's like I love that confidence. It's like anyone else would have been like, oh my god, like Will Smith, is introducing the sky. Like I'm gonna. <laughs>
0: Def Jam Records, school, yeah, everything. And and
1: that's she's like, like, no, no. It's gotta gotta be one of the
0: bit, one of the big three.
1: Okay. Also, wait, we have to. This is a bit of like a weird like Mariah thing. So her friend is the her friend who like introduced her to Tejmathola is Brenda K. Starr. Yes. Who is a one hit wonder? She had like one song in the eighties called "I Still Believe," and Mariah was her backup singer. Mm-hmm. And over the years, it's been a bit of a thing because like well Mariah became Mariah and Brenda K. Starr became you know Brenda K. Starr <laughs> and so every now and again like there would be these interviews and she's been like a little bit kind of shady about Mariah mm. kind of like oh you like I gave Mariah her big break and mm-hmm. you know like you know Mariah should be like more grateful <laughs> and blah 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 like just being like <laughs> really weird it's just like girl let it go like <laughs> yeah it's, it's just
2: never that cute
1: to do that
2: <sighs> It's I, I to do, just be gracious.
0: I do always have, like, some kind of... It's a little bit of sympathy, though, because it's, like, when you, mm-hmm. you, you get, like, adjacent to that kind of fame and success, I kind of understand how you couldn't help but oh, no, let like it drive you a little in insane. Yeah,
1: totally. Like, 1,000%. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think I would probably, like share it with like you know the daily mail or whatever like yeah some things you keep to the group chat you know like (laughs) right yeah (laughs) journal about it pray about it it's
2: kind of like i mean like dave mustaine is someone who i would give a pass for being like you know he was successful but not not in metallica yeah and that was a little you know traumatic i don't know I just think Mariah has the right attitude, which she can have because she has like a zillion dollars yes. and a. Oh yeah, months exactly. Months, like it's she's very
1: easy like, to be ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's it's really easy to have that attitude when uh when you're chilling the way she's chilling.
0: Yes, uh, as uh, a, a teacher of mine once said about the entertainment industry, it's easy to sleep at night when your pillowcase is stuffed with money.
2: Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> So yeah Mariah gets signed to Tommy Matola's label um at Sony she also gets immediately tangled into a romantic relationship with him so she she says uh he's a potent combination of father figure father figure svengali business partner confidant and companion and I mean, th- this is what I had to look up because I don't think she put this in these words. Like, her her national, his, her big national j- debut was singing the national anthem at the NBA playoffs. I do think she talks about that. But her TV yeah, debut yeah. is on Arsenio Hall. And most importantly, her label spent like a million dollars marketing her first album, which sounds like a lot of money, but also, it's Mariah Carey. Why wouldn't you spend that much money? She was basically yeah. just launched. Lo- she got a hard hard launch it was not like an accidental like sound cloud
0: moment we'll we'll put this out and see if the first album gains traction and then put put new things they threw a
2: lot of weight behind her
0: as
1: they should (laughs) and it's kind of weird because people will kind of like shade her for that because she had she has 19 number one hits right And, and so people are like oh well you know a lot of her hits in the 90s were because of like label manipulation blah blah, blah. and it's mm-hmm. like that's how everyone gets their number ones now like yes. that's just how you get a number one like yeah. so when everyone's cheating it's not cheating anymore right like <laughs> <laughs> now I've... it's like oh you get your 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 song on like the today's top hits playlist on spotify and you like do radio deals and like it's the same thing it's the same yes. thing uh, right I, every I would generation like...
2: has their own version of that
0: <laughs> if this was a uh, an oral history I would be interested to hear the uh, maybe the advertising execs in uh, Tommy Matola who Tommy Matola came to and said we're putting one million dollars on this into this girl and then being like
2: also she is my girlfriend
0: yeah, yeah. Th- that being like you sure there's not... you sure you just think that she's good Todd like is this the right business decision for us or is like is there something else going on here yeah. but you know what it turned out to be a good business decision.
1: Oh my God, but yeah. Molly, you bringing up the NBA thing reminds me of when she... Okay, so back in the first part of the book, she tells a story about how these three white girls took her to the Hamptons and bullied her and called her the N-word over and yeah. over again. she's When she Christ. was, like, 13. And then fast forward to, you know, after her first album comes out, and she's, like, back on Long Island with her mom. and <laughs> She's so freaking petty. She has her mom, like, go over to, the like, these girls' house and they knock on the door and it's like the dad answers and he's like, Oh my gosh, he's gone Hollywood and then she like all of like the the girls who had bullied her like came to the came to the door to see her and they were like, Oh, we're so happy for you, <laughs> blah blah and Mariah's like, oh, you're so sick. I know you're so sick. Like this this mulatto girl is has the number <laughs> one song in the album, but or number one song in the country, blah 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 and it was yep. like I like it's so Isn't that what everyone wants to do at some point? Like that that (laughs) kind of super vengeful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially like driving all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine going back to Long Island voluntarily. Like why Yeah.
0: (laughs) but I do I do appreciate that of like even if she can't like directly once she has some success that even if she can't directly confront her family. Uh, in some ways, because that's more, you, you know, you can't break up with your family, really. But uh, you can take it out on the people around you in your hometown who are assholes to you. Those exactly. people you can go tell the fuck off.
1: Yeah, so satisfying. Right. All right,
0: nice so I've got both the Arsenio Hall and the NBA Finals performance uh, pulled up. Okay, uh, so, if we we wanted do, to,
1: so she does America the Beautiful for the NBA finals and what does she do on her well, she does vision of love she, right? vision she does of vision of love.
0: love i i think we should only have time to play one of these so which ones do you do you two want the uh, it's
1: gotta be vision of love right? uh, yeah i, I think vision of love on our i know studio. we're close to nine eleven, but <laughs> yeah
0: all right all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna share some of this uh but here is mariah carey performing vision of love on the arsenio hall show i believe the album came out uh 1990 but i believe this is a 1991 performance that was part of our, so, so here we go Excited to introduce to you my next guest. She's back there preparing. Damn, Arsenio Hall posse. was cool. Look at this so guy. Cool. And, uh, yes. This young lady, very impressive young talent. <laughs> she wrote and helped produce her first album. She's making her national television debut. Her single is called Vision of Love. This is Mariah Carey. Give it up, people. <laughs> Her little hand motions. Still, probably getting used to being on stage. Oh, yeah.
1: She was like a studio rat to yeah. Rat. <laughs>
0: So we probably we're we'll listening to a little more of this in a chunk than we usually do, but that's <laughs> the thing with these like great vocalist diva songs is that a perfect like like diva bow like this like just keeps building in the per- impressiveness yeah. of the vocalist. So you like exactly. kind of have to listen to the whole thing to get like the, the whole scope of what she's gonna do yeah. on it.
1: the knack for writing these songs that sound immediately classic yeah right yes. like this sounds like a song that you could have come out in 1960 could have come out in 1990 could come out today like yep. yeah
0: that's that's exactly right because this sounds like yeah this sounds like the the 1990 version of something from like yeah the the i don't know the the motown songbook or something yeah
1: Yo, if there's ever another like American songbook with like, Mariah
0: has to be all over it. Oh sure. yeah. <laughs> oh
1: absolutely. <laughs> like Burt Bacharach, who <laughs> uh,
0: the thing I will say about Vision of Love, damn, good song. <laughs> it's Just so really good. really great.
1: Yeah, and Mariah talks about how, you know, Tommy basically wanted to whitewash her because even by nineteen ninety, nobody knew like a biracial men you know and So, mm-hmm. like, oh you know she has to she has to cross over she has to be universal oh that reminds me of um, one of I think it was Atlantic was like oh they like they had like listened to her demo and they were like oh we don't want another Tina Marie situation yes. like, they don't want another like woman who's perceived as white like doing black music you know insane like insane <laughs>
2: <laughs> and especially I'm sure you hear that and you're just like have you heard me?
1: Exactly. <laughs> like, have you listened
2: to how, how well I can sing? Like, okay. I have a fish- Let's get back into it. Um, yeah, Mariah kind of... She glazes over a lot of the early fame stuff. What she does say about Tommy is... Uh, I would say probably the nicest thing she says about Tommy Vitola is, with all due respect, Tommy Vitola was just the bitter pill I needed to swallow at a pivotal period in my life. <laughs> um, it's, you know, she basically acknowledges that she was vulner- still vulnerable as a young woman with her family, uh it, you know, leave, leaving that whole situation, dealing with the finances of, you know, becoming a pop star. And she basically treated him as, like, a protector, even though very quickly he became totally overbearing, spied on her, like, was had an intercom system in this house, this, like, mansion that they built sing together. Sing. And was constantly, <laughs> like, checking up on her, being like, what you doing? Like, she just never felt like she could be... Alone, and she described his presence as like, like humidity, just like unavoidable. Oh, <laughs> gross. Because it was, it was weird because she talks about
1: how like, she she really glazes over their engagement. She's basically like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm about to be a wife. <laughs> and right. she talks about how he drove her out to like Bedford, New York, to show her like this 50 acre plot of land. and was like, let's build a house here. And so yep. she was like. I mean, by this point, like, he was already abusive, and she was already feeling suffocated. She went along with it, and so her whole thing was like, I'm going to decorate it, and I'm going to finance half of it. And yep. so she talks about financing her own jail, which is yeah, very oh very dark, and yes. how, like, she, yeah, like, she basically, like, half-financed this house that had, like, this huge, like, surveillance infrastructure, and, like, how, oh, we're going to get to this, the Fry story. Oh, I, I forgot about this one, actually. <laughs> But well, let's so, talk about it. Oh, my God. So so they have, like, intercoms and cameras all over the house. And this is this must be, like, what, 95, 96. So they've already been married for a couple of years. And she, so she knows where the cameras are and where they're not. And so she and Jermaine Dupree and DeBrat and Skate <laughs> are all going to record. They're, they're in her home studio recording a remix to Always Be My Baby. And... This was after the fantasy remix, which we have to play. Um, so she got her way to do like oh, another yes. R&B remix, and so she's giving Debrat the tour and <laughs> Debrat the tour. And she <laughs> um, she goes to like her fancy shoe closet because there's no, no there's no microphones there, and so she's like, "Do you want to go get some fries?" And Debrat's <laughs> like, "Yeah, totally." And so they sneak out to the garage and grab one of the cars, and they, you know, they, they escape. And then, like, right away, DeBrat's phone starts blowing up because like, all these, like, security guards have noticed that they're gone, like, yeah. two seconds later. And so, like, they pull out their guns and they start, they're, like, interrogating Jermaine Dupree. They're, like, where is she? Where is she? Where is she? Oh, God. Flipping out, flipping out and <laughs> mariah and debrat are going to freaking burger king not even mcdonald's burger king to get some of their <laughs> garbage hey, i fries. actually
0: am a big fan of the burger king fries i think that they have much crunchier crispier fries at burger king mm. everyone can mm. be wrong every now and then it's fine no but um <laughs> they
1: so they like they go to grip their fries they're like hanging out for like 20 minutes and debrat is like what the fuck like you're mariah carey if you want to get some fries just go to get fries like yeah. what are you doing and so they all go back and it's this, this whole big thing like I, I don't know if like tommy wasn't there but he was like he was he was was, like somewhere but like he was already on the phone like flipping out and like it was this whole debacle all because she wanted to like leave the house by herself like that's how bad it had gotten like she was like she was just she was basically shuffled around from like studios to industry parties to award shows to studios like she didn't have any kind of like friends or like personal life or anything like Even like getting to do the fantasy remix was like a whole big thing because Tommy Mottola, being the racist that he was, he was like, he didn't believe that like ODB would be a good fit. He was like, he listened to it and he was like, I could do that. You know, like super, just super dismissive of it. And this was like 95, 96. Like hip hop had already like was a thing. It was happening in the 80s. You know, like, like he was talking about one time he talked about how like Puffy what was he Puff at the time puffy whatever his name was at the time was like (laughs) he was like straight at a puff Puff daddy Daddy. like yeah literally and (laughs) time was was like he's gonna be shining my shoes in two years like (sighs) just so awful so just like an old italian guy from new york like
0: that is specifically (laughs) funny to say about uh puff daddy uh who uh has has i don't want to say connived but you know has has schemed his way to be one of the most successful people in his field. Like, of, yeah, he's of got success
2: all... win mindset. Yeah, more he does.
0: Most <laughs> like, totally. it just, not that you should say that about any uh, any rapper, but but of the guys in his immediate vicinity, you single out Puff Daddy, being like, no way that guy's gonna figure out how to be successful. Is like, you be more wrong, dude. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. The the attitude toward again, just like that. Mariah knows where music is going, and all she needs Tommy Mottola, president of Sony music to do is like, let her be great. And he's like, I don't like this hip hop and stuff. Like what exactly. the fuck? Yeah. yeah. And she, so would, she-, she
1: would even say like, so like in their personal relationship, right. He was completely overbearing, but she was like, when it comes to music, we're equally yoked because she was yeah. like, she was fully <laughs> like, fully like confident in like her abilities, and her capabilities. But like, she knew that he was like good at like the, the creepy business stuff like right <laughs> <label> <laughs> manipulation stuff and like he even had a saying he was like you do what you do and i'll work my magic which is like deeply chilling but like yeah. it worked yeah. like <laughs> it should be i'll
2: work my magic and then you do what you do yeah <laughs> exactly. that is art versus business no offense exactly. to business sorry yeah i mean
0: the those, the the House thing and all the intercom system and the feeling of a trap and I mean I said it before but this is like every part, every Phil part Spectre. of it is recalling the the Phil Spector totally. part yeah which is weird that you know there's I feel like there's a um a, a, a kind of blueprint for every type of career in the mm-hmm. entertainment industry even a, abusive Zvengali husband 1, uh, producer percent. Mm-hmm.
1: like there's so many oh my God like, there's, there's so many parallels to so many different people like when yeah. you read this book. Like, you get the Britney parallels. Mm-hmm. You're going to get there, run the breakdown. And, like, you get, like, the, the, the Michael Jackson of it all. Because, like, Michael Jackson had his own contentious relationship with Tommy Mazzola, mm-hmm. And we're going to get mm-hmm. to, like, the whole, like, sabotage. Like It's just, like, yeah, the music industry has, like, three plots. Like, yeah. <laughs> <that's it>. <laughs> <laughs> Three storylines. Like, pick your favorite. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Yeah. And it's, like, even, oh, well, I guess, to me, one of the more disturbing stories was when, like, she was, like, what, two or three albums in. And she was doing a show, and how do you say this? Connectedity. Connectedity. Yes. <laughs> and, and she was like, they're they pulling up to the venue, and like there are all this like all these like cop cars around and like, oh security, and she's like, what's going on? And she's like, it's for, and like her team is like, it's for you because like all these fans <laughs> were here to see her, and it's like she didn't like she didn't know because she all she was doing was music videos, photo shoots, promo, like. Award shows, like she wasn't really doing, she wasn't really touring, like she yeah. didn't really have like fan interaction. Like Tommy Mottola was a freaking psycho, and her makeup artist had compiled like the scrapbook full of like love letters from like celebrities. Um, she called out like Joey Lawrence specifically. I love that. Like, so <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> I guess he wrote like a specifically like very poignant note, and Tommy Mottola saw the book and he got so angry that he ripped it up and he threw it in the in the fireplace or whatever because he just he didn't want anyone to know that like that they that she was like valued you know like he wanted mm-hmm. to like isolate her and really make her feel like he was the only person who cared about her and protected mm-hmm. her like just so disturbing
2: yeah god creep creep behavior also it's just like yeah of course of course mariah you have fans that love you like you're selling like millions of albums like they're out there
0: weird to like only understand that in in the abstract Abstract being like oh yeah i'm like one i'm the one of the top selling artists right now Hmm, i hope there are people out there who like me (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah
2: yeah she i she definitely makes a point of kind of like shouting out the fan relationship as something that has you know given her strength when nothing else really was um she also, yeah, she, she talked about that, that shooting that special at Schenectady and, like, came home and was, like, having all of these kind of repressed memories of her traumatic childhood while she was floating in a tub that was larger than the size of her entire living area just five years before. Oh, Jesus. It's, like, very, very cinematic. Um, but she, so she married, yeah, she married Simon Matola, which I remember, I I was definitely too young, but I remember it as like a pop culture kind of history event as like a huge wedding Yeah, those photos were like iconic. Yeah. Yeah. The bear
1: wing dress. And like, everybody was there. It was like, what, like, what Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel, Chrissy Brinkley, like, just like, like, was she like talking to those people at her wedding? Like, was she like, hey, Billy Joel?
2: Oh, I know. Right. Like, (laughs) she's like, congratulations. (laughs) Exactly. Like, how does that work? yeah see um and she's like you know obviously she's like i don't no one questions why i married tommy Batola more than me it just like feels like the thing that it felt inevitable to do um but she's kind of becoming more and more miserable she spends her honeymoon like having her tommy's publicist scream at her because their wedding was on the cover of people magazine when she was like did you see my wedding? It was designed to be on the cover of People Magazine. <laughs> exactly. Why did we make this so big if it was not going to be like a tabloid cover event? Right. And then she's the one talking to him, not Tommy. Like, come on. Jesus
0: Christ. That, that is just confusing. Why would you... I I, I I have no idea why they would not want it on the cover of People Magazine. That's what the the event... Like, that is designed that's for. That's the point. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. No, but he, um, that's like
1: not even the first time he was like screaming about magazines. It was like, um, there was... No, it was like, I want to say it was like the cover, of, like Entertainment Weekly or something. And someone wrote one of those articles of like recasting all about Eve. It was like fantasy oh, casting. Yes. And they had like mm-hmm. Diana Ross as Margot Channing and Mariah Carey as like Eve Harrington. And Mariah thought, it was like, oh, that's fun because like she loved Marilyn Monroe, so she loved like mm-hmm. old, old movies. And yeah. Tanya Mottola like looked at the cover and was like, absolutely not. And it was like, <laughs> you're s- what? <laughs> like, yeah, what do you mean? Mad like, about it was just like fantasy a- casting. Nothing. It was yeah. nothing. Ridiculous. And then um, he, like, cancels Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: God. <laughs> Thanksgiving is cancelled. Like, he gets upset, Like and he's like, the the description she has of him, like, he literally, like, gets up from the table and is, like, walking around fuming. I'm like, you sound so ridiculous. Like, I understand why it's something to be genuinely afraid of and upset by, but also, like, get it together, dude. Like, come on. Yeah, that, I,
0: I mean, just, like, that is, is the thing. We were saying, from- like, Yeah, we're saying like all, there are only, you know, this is a very familiar story, but in the specifics of how each of these guys can be insane like this, it's always like shocking forms of childish depravity. Yes, Mm -hmm. Uh, childish. It's like the perpetual, uh, yeah, as you just said, tantrums going on on about all these things where it's like weird maggot, like being mad that she's like featured in magazine covers because you're what jealous of entertainment weekly in 1991 (laughs) or something come on dude
2: yeah um should we listen to something should we listen to the fantasy remix slash are you able to play music oh Uh,
0: i i made it i made everybody able to play music so molly is there any way you can pull up the fantasy remix?
2: yes this intro is like one of my favorite things ever
1: yeah it's like you just know (laughs) it's about to get epic like (laughs) (laughs) Like the <laughs> now you guys
0: must know or assume that this is my favorite mariah carey song because of course of the tom tom club sample
1: <laughs> and she talks about she picked the sample she wanted the genius of love sample great taste Up the original, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just, ugh. Yeah. So good. And again, right? Like, so now every pop girl has a rapper on her song. So yeah. It's like nothing. But, like, at the time, this was, no one was doing this. Yeah.
0: Remix. <laughs> remix. Just gotta let you know. Remix.
2: I mean, people because in the 90s were really to talk to us. constantly reminding yeah. you that it was a remix. <laughs> It was sort of the "this is not a test" of the '90s.
0: Am I correct that there are, and perhaps contained in this memoir, um, fairly notorious uh, stories of um, ODB recording this this feature?
1: Yeah. Yes. Is in, this um, what, Doing the video like, specifically? She talks about recording, or recording the video.
2: She she calls him. She says that he's in drunk uncle mode. <laughs> <laughs> he arrives to the shoot in full blown drunk uncle mode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I f- and I feel like, I mean, I, I don't know if it was for this feature specifically, but there are just so many classic ODB stories of him, like, you know, this, the recording is scheduled at, like, 6 p.m. and he arrives at, like, 11 p.m. and then needs to, like, drink an entire bottle and then nap for three hours and finally it's, like, 2 in the morning and he gets <laughs> up and records the entire thing in, like, one take and then it's perfect and he leaves, you know? And
1: I think I, that I totally lines for- with Mariah. She's, like, she's a total night owl, like... She's, like, you know, oh, get to the studio at, like, 10 p.m., leave at, like, 8 a.m. kind of person. Yeah. So, like, she was totally on the same wavelength. I think she talks about, I can't remember if this is in the book or one of, like, the promo interviews, where she talks about how he gets to the set. He's, like, of horse-wasted, and, like, he, um, he doesn't like any of the options available, any of the clothing options available on the set. So, like, he, like, makes her run to, like, the Dollar Tree or whatever. <laughs> to get the map <laughs> and then like he does the shoot like in like you know one take and it's perfect it's yeah. um,
2: <laughs> like harnessing chaos oh dog no the hot right. like
1: fire jump jump, jump, jump. Let me see the stop girls let me see you shake right <laughs> the back
3: let's do it do it do it. Oh, hold on, hold on.
0: I forget if I mentioned this on when we talked to Chris France, but I remember being at a uh, I think I've told the story on the, the pod before being at a, uh, a Chris France and Tina Weymouth talk back a while ago. Um, and somebody asked the question, uh, what do you think of the Mariah Carey fantasy song? And they were like, I mean, are you kidding me? That song put our kids through college. Of course, we love that song.
1: <laughs> uh, I love those kind of stories. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I mean that that must have been great great to get that news. <laughs>
1: yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I mean I, iconic mid mid 90s songs while she's still yes. in like, you know, marriage crisis mode. Uh she also shouted out, she made like an alt rock album as a Chick. way to blow off steam. Yes. Uh and like she talked she just like did this whole thing where she was writing these lyrics that were just very kind of like Alanis Morissette Jagged Little Pill style. And I found I like she ended up Having it recorded with her friend, oh, yeah, <laughs> and it was under the band name Chick, and they they called the album "Someone's Ugly Daughter."
1: Yes, and like oh some of God. this stuff is it's perfect. So when this when this came out last year, people found like the videos on YouTube, and they've been out there for like a decade. Like, yeah, hiding. And in it's plain like sight. they had like you know two thousand views or whatever. Like no, fully totally under the radar. And then, like, come like october twenty twenty it's like all the lambs are in the comments, like oh my god <laughs> so
0: so wait, she like wrote the songs and then just got her friend to record, yeah, she, she does, she's like, not on the recordings, but her friend is like doing vocals.
1: she does backup vocals, yeah, and I think like I think she actually did record the songs, but I think when they actually got released, it was like her friend's version. And yeah. but she said she said that she has the originals with her vocals, and she was like teasing, like putting it out, and it's like I would die. Please. I mean, I
0: just love a chick, someone's ugly daughter is like a perfect parody, parody. slash tribute yes. slash send up to like that era, of exactly. Like the, uh, yeah. And yeah. she was
1: talking about how you know, like she, like That's she had funny to be so. Manicured and perfect, and like all the the conservative dresses, and like Mm -hmm. you know, perfect, respectable femininity, and like she was like, and these white girls get to run around in like their dirty slips and their funny mascara, (laughs) and it's like it's not fair. Yeah, that is. Oh
2: my god, it's so true. Uh, maybe I'll pipe in a little a little chick uh in the in the edit, but yeah, you know her her marriage is falling apart kind of continuously she goes to couples therapy with tommy (laughs) he he suggests it he suggests it. it which again again is like i don't know what he was maybe he just thought that it would be helpful but and it was helpful to her i think it was like an ego thing yeah. She I,
0: she. I can also only imagine it has to be like a Don Draper situation where he's then like ooh. calling the therapist afterwards and like it, comparing notes. No, like it's, totally. it's like somebody on his payroll.
2: Yeah. I think she had neutrality, which was useful, but she she literally described her. She was like, yeah, she's like uh, Melfi from The Sopranos. Like <laughs> the, uh, only my sh- shitty husband instead of
1: exactly. Tony Sopranos. <laughs> um, no, and, and it she, totally backfired. I love right. it. Right. So she suggests,
2: she's like, Moriah needs some freedom because this isn't normal. Um, maybe she can take acting classes in the city because they're living, you know, in Bedford full time. And so Tommy begrudgingly lets her take acting lessons. She get then she's you know feels sort of free doing this in and of itself. But then she secretly gets an apartment in the building adjacent to her acting classes, so that sometimes she can just stay in the city by herself. Which I'm just like, clearly this this chick is yeah, so driven Yeah, she'd be like, I'm
1: really tired after acting class. I'm yeah. Stay. yeah. Oh, I think like I'll just really stay in the sad. city tonight. You know, Mariah, like, loves New York. Like, she's, Mm -hmm. like, the embodiment of, like, Empire State of Mind. Like, 1,000%. And so... (laughs) (laughs) Like, she would talk about, like, those long car rides back up to Sing Sing and how, like, it was just so depressing and, like, miserable because, like, they would either be, like, riding in the car in silence or, like, he'd be, like, humming along to Frank Sinatra. It's like,
0: God. (laughs) This guy sounds like he sucks so much. Oh, my God.
1: And then it's like, so she's isolated, Like, she's not allowed to, like, go to parties with her friends or allowed to, like, do things that, like, you know, a 23-year-old millionaire wants to do, you know? Like, she... Like mm-hmm. just su- super isolated, and so like yeah, so she gets to stay in the city, and she gets to like hang out with people, and then she gets to meet Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter. Derek oh, I Jeter. <laughs> Derek Jeter. So I didn't.
2: I I think I remember knowing of their dalliance, but I don't think I really understood what happened. Which like is the that Derek of it Jeter all. later tells her he's like, I had a dream. It was to move to New York City play for the Yankees, and then meet you and steal you from Tony Sony, which is what he called. Yes. My respect for Derek Jeter, I'm not a Yankees fan, I'm a Mets fan, but my respect for Derek Jeter went up a hundredfold after hearing how he envisioned his shot yes. and then shot his shot.
0: I mean, that is certainly the sweetest thing that I've ever heard about Derek Jeter. No.
1: No, but I, when I, after I read it, I was like did she get a gift basket though like i want to know like <laughs> he, did he
2: <laughs> so yeah they they meet at this dinner which it turns out like later he said he's like yeah i like wanted to meet you at this dinner yeah
1: it was like some boring like charity thing she called it like a charity chicken dinner thing <laughs> yeah right <laughs>
2: um and she when she her first impression of him is that his armani suit didn't count didn't cover up the Kalamazoo in him. <laughs> which is like such a wonderful read. No, uh, totally. She obviously finds him attractive. And then she says they have a talk at this dinner. They talk about uh inconspicuous blackness, and she learns that he has a white Irish mom and black dad as well, so she's connecting to him in this way that they're they're both kind of on the same wave. And they're
1: doing dance and it's cute. Like they have and this
2: like, like romance.
1: That sounds. Oh my god, this is harrowing because like they're totally like starting this like emotional affair while she's fully married. Fully at this married point, and like she talks about how after the dinner, like he walks her to the car, and it's like obviously the car is like being driven by like one of like Tony or Tommy's guys, and so yeah. like totally she's being surveilled and like they they see it, they clock it, but like by this point it feels like it's like Tommy like knows that it's over. Yeah, and it's like he's not he's sort of like resigned to it, I guess. Yeah, it's
2: weird. It, it kind of sounds like he like gives up at the end a little bit, although in, there is like one last kind of inciting incident that yeah. ends their marriage, which is like he, she's in front of him and like two of his sort of goons slash guys. Yeah, it's
1: actually, two of her two of the people that she used to write a lot of songs with. Ah, And oh, yeah. So, so it's these, like one these of are th-
0: like producer goons.
1: Yeah, like songwriter spies type guys. <laughs> so one of them was like Walter Afanasieff, who like she wrote like a lot of like, he Kobe wrote like, All I Want for Christmas Is You with her. Like he he did like a lot of her ballads. Like they were like a solid duo in the early 90s. And then the other guy is this guy named Corey Rooney who was working with her starting in like late 90s. And then he goes on to work with J-Lo, because he's a snake. Mm. Um, But mm. that part was particularly funny because the thing is, nobody would have known who... The guys were. She didn't Mm -hmm. say who the guys were, Mm -hmm. but after the book came out, Corey Rooney got on Instagram and was basically (laughs) like, "Oh, it didn't happen the way that she says it happened." Blah 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 blah. It was like, "Oh well, cool. Like, thanks for confirming that it happened exactly the way that she
2: said it." (laughs) Also, yeah, she did not. She did not call call you.
1: No, because he was making a distinction. So basically, like. The marriage is basically like disintegrating at this point. He's like trying to bribe how, how, her. Wait, what like year
0: is this now? Like 96-ish? 96 ish?
1: 96, 97. Yeah. And so they, so they're
0: married for what? Like five? Three, basically like three five years? years or something?
1: Like three years. Like it's short. Three years. Really like short. They, yeah. Three or four. And he's trying to bribe her with like cars and like, you know, stuff that she can buy for herself, basically. Like it's mm. not interesting. And so he, they're like, they're all hanging out and, or not hanging out, but they're like in the kitchen. And so Matola pulls a butter knife on her, and because he's he's a five year old, so he Again, pulls like a butter same. knife on her and like kind of like puts it up against her face, like the the soft part, and kind of like drags it across her face. It's like his like kind of last like stand or whatever. Like he's like, and, like trying to be tough. Yeah, and like and then of course like that, it's done. Like it's a wrap after that. And, and it's
2: so funny, it's like these two it's guys funny that she's like. I was a child. With a like a pimp who I knew had a gun on him when he tried to kiss me. You're holding a, like a butter knife on exactly. me. Like I've seen some shit
1: already, man. And she called it out too because he was he was embarrassed that she was leaving him, <laughs> and like he was so he was like taking it out on her in front of like these guys. Like was, his yeah. masculinity
0: was was threatened. This, so this whole uh, situation uh, with Tommy is a, a, perhaps one of the more p- pathetic things that we've covered in a <laughs> uh, on the show. I mean, obviously, it's it's traumatic for Mariah, but like the 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 sketch of this guy that I'm getting through through the this book is ab- about one of the mo- the most like freakishly uh, angrily impotent people for being a powerful executive. You know,
1: absolutely. Know, and again,
0: even in like hand. I know that this is like age old entertainment industry stuff, but I, I I I keep just thinking about all his fucking coworkers at Sony. As he's like, guess what? I'm marrying Mariah. And everybody, like, in the back of their head, I just imagine all these Sony execs being like, really? I mean, come on, man.
1: Yeah. Well, Did I we- think a lot of them were also probably looking at her, like, oh, here's another, like, yeah. gold digger. Here's mm-hmm. another, I don't know, just like, oh, here's another woman who doesn't think that she's good enough to, you know, succeed on her own. She's using this powerful man. Right. And it was like, she- and she-, she talks about it all the time. She talks about how much money she was making for these people. Like she of was dollars. making so, so, so much fr- money for these people, and none of them had any interest in protecting her. Yeah, mm-hmm. they all enabled. Like everybody, everybody saw. It. He would have these tantrums in public, so when like, everybody saw it, it wasn't a secret, and no one did anything about it. Yeah, foolish, Clown- clownish, 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 yeah. clownish, all clownish. Really, really clowny, really clowny. Yeah, but yeah. So she's basically she starts like an emotional affair with Derek Jeter. <laughs> and, no, but like the way she writes it is like. Oh, uh, it's so romantic! It's so like, romantic.
2: <laughs> she's talking about like at one point she goes out to see him on like a secret date, and she's talking about the outfit that she wears. Like she's wearing this a like warm brown, brown coordinated <laughs> outfit. She's like, "I'm I was serving, I was serving like uh cocoa colors in in autumn textures or something." <laughs> yes,
1: and she confirms that the roof, which is like in among Mariah stands, this is like top this is like holy trinity, like one of her top songs she confirms that the roof is all about this moment with him which i think like based on the timeline we all kind of like knew but mm-hmm. it was like her actually confirming it was like oh finally you know yeah like mm-hmm. like it's cause, it is it, kind of it's like taylor swiftie that way yeah it was like you yeah. knew like that one was like autobiographical but like was it really about Derek Jeter? like blah, blah blah and so when you actually hear the context of like you know he's like a lifeline for her Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, she's kind of like the first guy that she's like dating as like as an adult. You know, yeah. It's like she meets Tommy when she's like nineteen. Before she's that, not attracted she had, like a string of like you know high school and he has this ob- yeah
0: absurd power over her. Yeah, and he's old. And it's
1: like oh, here's yeah. like the, a guy who like is actually like appropriate for her. <laughs> like yeah, oh, here's the potential of like a relationship that is going to be like healthy and like normal, right? Normal.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird in that he is like a Yankees player. Is- is that even that that like puts him more on her level of being like okay another guy similar age similar background but also like rocket shipping success right. in his own field right now so it's like you know we can be even in different yeah. fields you know totally
1: exactly yeah yeah so and then she talks about like how they 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 plan to meet up in Puerto Rico <laughs> and then here's the thing so she writes it and it's like we're we're all waiting we're like waiting for like the sex scene of it all and it's like because it's like they don't consummate on the roof they don't have they don't have sex in puerto rico because like she's still married and she's like she has to you know keep her vows or whatever but it's like (laughs) they have this steamy night in like some some amazing resort in puerto rico and it's like oh my god it's like it's like building up building up building up and then it's like the actual divorce from time is like kind of anticlimactic yeah happens and then it's like (laughs) they finally consummate it in tampa because he's, like, doing <laughs> spring training or something. And it's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like- beautiful Tampa.
0: <laughs> Wonderful, beautiful Tampa, Florida.
1: In, like, a, ho- like, I don't know, it wasn't, like, a holiday inn, but, like, it sounded super, like, generic. I'm sure that they put so- the
0: Yankees up someplace pretty <laughs> nice in Tampa. It's so
2: fucking baseball, though, is, like, yeah. you could be, like, on, out at dinner in New York City, greatest in the world. You could be in Puerto Rico, making out in the, on the beach, and then it's like, well, uh, you know, p- spring, p- spring. Spring <laughs> training is starting in April, and uh, I'll see you in Tampa. I guess stay at <laughs> the DoubleTree.
1: Like, not even Miami. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that is that's be, that's but, huge yeah. baseball energy. So
0: well, I'm sure think. I'm sure it was gratifying for both of them, nonetheless.
1: Oh no, totally, because I'm pretty sure this is like the first guy she's had sex with that she's like attracted to, which is so sad because she's fully, so really, like 27 at this point. Like yeah. she's like <laughs> she's she's <laughs> yeah. she's getting on. Yeah, and it's like they have like this like they have a cute little fling and then she basically is like he's kind of dumb she doesn't yeah. that, but like she's like oh you know, like he doesn't he can't you really keep up intellectually you know and it's kind of like <laughs> yeah you
0: know? sure. but she
1: does write some of her best songs about him like she writes my all which is like oh this beautiful yearning song about how she'd give her life to have just one more night with him like it's all just so dramatic it is oh so perfect He's a he's a baseball
2: himbo. We we love him <laughs> for that.
0: I, again, this is the, about the most amount of uh, affection for uh, for Jeter that I Derek Jeter that I've ever uh, felt in any sure. way.
1: Yeah. Oh, she talks. Oh, wait. I have to talk about the song Honey. Mm-hmm. So Honey was like the first single from her album Butterfly. So This is like her post divorce mm-hmm. album. This is like she's sexy. She that's like the iconic video where she's like you know jumping off the yacht and like all this stuff and. The first time she plays "Honey" in front of Tommy, he's like, "Oh, I guess you were inspired, weren't you?" Because this is super like sexual, flirty song, and mm-hmm. it's all—it's about a facial, by the way, like one <laughs> thousand percent. And I say that because it's like controversial among Mariah fans about what the song is about, oh and it's god. like, this, like look at the lyrics—the song is, like, it's, "It's like Honey when it washes over me, like sugar never ever felt <laughs> so sweet." It's like, oh my god, like she's writing about Derek Cheers. <laughs> Oh my God. giving a blowjob to sarah teeter like bravo mariah this
2: way. But it's all so clear oh my God, it's amazing
1: but yeah and then she kind of she starts a string of like she's a serial monogamous 1000 percent. Like mm-hmm. which i love by stan <laughs> I, th- I think like she gave cute. luis miguel who was like super famous like in like spanish-speaking countries and like they meet in aspen because that's where famous people meet (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) Uh uh-huh and like they have like a thing and like it's cool like she's like she talks about how cool it is to date him because he's like a super famous musician and successful and like beautiful voice and all this stuff but it's like they kind of fizzle out because he's kind of racist and like that you know kind of you know he's kind of like oh but like are you really black though like that kind of thing yeah Oh, God. Yeah, just, like, super weird. And I think it's kind of, like, they're not on the same page in terms of, like, kids and, all that. like, kind of, like, boring ad- it, like, ad- like, she has, like, boring adult relationships and it's, like, finally, <laughs> Mariah, fine. yay! Like, normal conflict. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we gonna um, get...
2: It? Is this... Is I, I want to like, talk about the, like, butterfly to glitter... Yes. ...pipeline, mm-hmm. yes. because this is... This is kind of, like, the last big, like, plot push of the book of this, like, insane kind of track that happens to her from the development like getting out of her marriage getting out of butterfly and having this thing with glitter and getting out of sony so she leaves so she negotiates her leave from sony because she's like i can't be at this company to japan she flies (laughs) to japan to meet the president of sony yeah which is like big that's Amazing that she even that is like yes. of doing that in that way. I've again, I've never read something like that for anyone was, in this industry. Was
0: that her move to be like, I'm going to go above? She Tommy's went over head. His head.
1: Yeah, because yeah. she was like, he's going to make it impossible for you to leave. You know, like she was super lucrative, and so she was like, that's, "Okay, I'm going to go to the president. I'm going to negotiate this. Like, get it done." She that's it. incredibly so alpha.
0: Yeah, it's it's yeah. huge alpha moves. I I gotta say, like, I, I, she does seem to have like a better intuitive understanding of. Her career than um, mm-hmm. most people we talk about in these yeah. things.
2: So she gets she gets out of her contract. She I think owes them th- at least three more albums. Which she does a greatest hit. She does number ones and she does rainbow. And then uh, she gets signed to Virgin America for like a hundred million dollars. Yeah, it was yeah.
1: like one of the biggest record contracts of the time i and think like at the cash. time they're calling it like the biggest yeah 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 so I, rem- I remember this
0: being like a big deal at the time yeah. mm-hmm.
1: and so it's like i really want to like draw like a like put a point here because it's like i don't think people realize that what happened during glitter her breakdown whatever you want to call it like i feel like people really want to pathologize it and make it sound like oh it's something that she did it's something within mm-hmm. her and it's like can we just step back and think about what kind of pressure you have to be under if you've just signed this huge $100 million contract mm-hmm. and she's at the point in her career where it's not like she's like flopping, but it's like, she's not, she's past her commercial peak. Like she's 10 years in. Yeah. You know? I
0: mean, yeah. She, well, she has like eight, she just put out a greatest hits and an album. That's just her number one singles. I mean, you're you're, at that point you're, I imagine that part of the reason to do that was to me just meet her contractual obligations. But at yes. that point, you're kind of like putting up a flag, saying like, "All right, I have I have reached a certain stage in my career where where it's like I'm already being retrospective, even Which though she said I've she's only been like, like
2: I don't want them to leave me in the '90s. Exactly, like it like they, yeah. they were trying to like the close the door. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. done. And yeah. so
1: it's like when you think about like, okay, any normal person in their job, like if you get a promotion or you get suddenly this huge amount of like investment in you okay what does that mean like if Mm -hmm. if you if someone is giving you a hundred million dollars that means they're going to extract everything they possibly can out of you and so yes when she talks about the breakdown part of it she talks about how it starts off because they refuse to let her take a break right like Mm -hmm. all they want for her to do is work 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 shoot videos do this do that good you know Get, make sure she gets the number one single. Make sure yeah. her goes number one. Make sure the movie goes number one. Like, just putting all of this pressure on her. And then, like, of course she's going to break down. Like, yeah. Any yes. normal Tired. person is going to have a meltdown if you're, like, having... It's like, once you have that... Once someone is putting that much money into you, it's like you're not a person anymore. Yeah. Like, it's completely yes. depersonalizing.
2: Yes. Yep. The way she put it, she said uh, the label had spent more than a hundred million dollars on quote Mariah Carey. They wanted all their glittery products ready for sale now. <laughs> and the the most amazing thing that I picked up from her description of her quote unquote breakdown, which she said I, I did not have a breakdown. I was broken down. Uh, totally. Is that she just talks about how she it's it wasn't like a she was tired, like she mm-hmm. was literally physically she like was not sleeping. And that was affecting her entire life, which, like, yes, I'm, I think we're all familiar with what happens when yes. you don't get enough sleep. You feel insane. And now just multiply that by a hundred million in terms of what kind of pressure she was under.
0: See, now, I, I forget the specifics of this. Was it a design that the movie was coming out in conjunction with an album?
1: Yeah. The soundtrack definitely came out on, like, what? It came out on 9-11. Right. Yeah, and of course th- we
0: all we all know the, the, <laughs> the wonderful movie story. of the pan up for the uh, and also that that great perfect little video that's like somebody's camcorder for footage that's just mm-hmm. panning up from the Mariah Carey glitter <laughs> <laughs> tower
1: on fire and then I think the movie came out like that the week the following weekend yeah, yeah I think it was right after but then so, so also was being... like the
0: glitter soundtrack album like the album of the Virgin of the initial Virgin release or was there another album before that
1: yeah that was the first album with okay. Virgin
2: okay. yeah. Okay. And, and meanwhile, Glitter was still being produced by Columbia Pictures, which was owned by Sony. And so, so Tommy, Tommy was
1: sabotaging it the whole yeah. way through. Yeah. And then the Glitter soundtrack was being sabotaged because people in Mariah's camp were running back and telling Tommy, like, oh, Mariah's doing this song with J- Ja Rule. So mm-hmm. it's like, hmm, that's where the I'm Real remix with J-Lo and Ja Rule comes out. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, she, Mariah's going to use this sample. Oh, OK, well, we're going to put that sample on a J-Lo song first. and you know this doing all of these is he, stupid, is he
0: very specifically using j-lo to uh jennifer lopez to undermine mariah carey
1: one thousand percent that's why and she doesn't know her. why j because it's like i mean we talk about people who aren't equally yoked like sorry like sorry like <laughs> i like j-lo but like come on like let's be real here yeah yeah <laughs> but like yeah. j-lo was hot at the time j-lo was popular yeah, totally. and like it was the thing to do and oh i also want to talk about the TRL incident? Yes. Because yeah, another I, love, I love a good TRL
0: story. Another because situation that I did not realize the
1: backstory of. And it's like, thank you, God, because Carson Daly is a terrorist. But that's are <laughs> the okay. there.
0: Wait, so I thought just, we liked Carson Daly now. I thought we appreciated his we? hosting his hosting skills. I don't know. I kind of, I, going through some of that Woodstock stuff, uh, <laughs> I was kind of like appreciated that he had to be like the bland guy in the center <laughs> of like a lot of different forces moving a- against him who had to like introduce and give equal, e- equal credence to, I don't know, Britney Spears and and have to be like the centering presence. That's like, I'm the guy who can say both these guys names and you and you hearing them from me are like, yes, of course, that sounds right, Car- Carson.
1: Yeah. I don't like, know. No, I, like at the time like when I watched TRL I was totally like oh I like Kirsten. crazy took it. But I was like I always I always felt this way about the incident and like she validated it. Mm-hmm. So when she goes on TRL she's wearing the big Loverboy t-shirt and she's pushing the ice cream car and she's handing out the ice cream to her fans and then she <laughs> takes off her shirt and she's wearing a tank top and some booty shorts underneath and Carson Daly pretends like he has no idea what's going on and he's like, like he ruins oh the my mix. god Mariah Carey's on TRL and she's stripping and he's so aghast by it it's like hello you knew like you knew. nobody goes to TRL spontaneously like yes. TRL was probably like the most <laughs> tightly produced tv show at the time like they knew when the celebrities were coming. They knew what the celebrities were doing. Like he should have like he should have played along with it. But he was pretending like she was psycho. And like that kind of fed yes. the narrative. Because at that point, people like the, the tabloids were already kind of spinning. It's like, oh Mariah Carey, she's she's losing her mind because she was starting mm-hmm. to leave voicemails for her fans. And these voicemails were basically she would t- she would talk about how tired she was. She would talk <laughs> about how tired she was and how she needed a break. And it's like how is that like erratic behavior? Like she was tired and she needed a break. Like what do you want from yeah. her? Were these
0: voicemails to her friends, like part of some kind of, for her friends, her fans, like some kind of
1: yes, program? It was, it was like on her website. Like I don't know how she did it. 2001 <laughs> technology. But she was able to somehow upload these like wave files or whatever to her, <laughs> to her fan site. Clever. And like, and so like, you know, like Howard Stern would like go on his garbage show and talk about it. And so it's like, all this, all the tabloids were turning like, oh, what's what's going on with Mariah? Like, blah blah blah. And so then, like, here's Carson, and he's pretending like he doesn't know that Mariah Carey's gonna come on the show to promote her single, because that's what everybody does when they go on TRL. They're promoting he, a single.
2: All he had to do was be excited to see her. Which, hello, that's it. Would like, you was, not be like, to pushing her an ice like cream she card. was?
1: I don't know like she's literally girl interrupted like he was not he wasn't <laughs> playing along he was not <laughs> yeah he, the
2: way he was like she's stripping right now I'm like she's taking off a big t-shirt to reveal an outfit it's underneath. literally MTV like the, li- the year
1: before Britney Spears is on the VMA stage literally stripping off her suit to show yeah. off that nude sparkly bodysuit like look, or like let me not be prudish you want to like, see real MTV
2: chaos 24 hours of Courtney Love where she was just, <gasps> just like yes and they actually had no control over that yes.
1: woman, and they
2: people they were shipping like the strokes to them, and just being like, "Oh, uh, I don't know what's going on." What that's that's actually chaotic. This well, like, am miraculous... making this
1: up. I feel like Eminem like went on TRO and like mooned the audience or something. Like, he yeah, did some, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, like right, like that could be fake news. I don't know, but it sounds real. Yeah, <laughs> that's
2: that's that's confirmed in 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 my mind anyway. So yeah, she, she's she's. <laughs> The, the media is reared up. They're calling it a breakdown. They're saying, you know, she's, she's losing her mind or whatever." which then she, she makes kind of a, a snide, funny comment. She's like, "Now I think people fake breakdowns for attention because it's so <gasps> hard to break through T." Um,
1: <laughs> so, so
2: true so to get like, that media <laughs> attention. But she ends up so she's literally pursued by her label, like she cannot find a place to sleep. She's like stalked. She's trying and she to stay runs in a hotel. to like
1: Brooklyn or like East New York. Yeah, Who's, she runs she- to the hotel. <laughs> what yes. the hell?
2: And she's like, I can't even get rest here. So finally, it's like her- a
0: hotel room in like Sheep'shead Bay or something.
2: <laughs> so like, she's like staying with her friend and just like hanging out on the block. But then she, this this is where things get extremely dark. Her brother, yeah. who uh, has not been into the greatest, most above board business in the time since she last saw him when she was like a child. Uh, he kind of takes over. He like calls her up and kind of manipulates in- her into being like, I'm on your side. Let's go to our mom's house. Like, Let's get you away. And just a little background on him. At one point, he was involved in a Suffolk County murder case where he accepted a hitman job for $30,000 to kill a woman's husband. Uh, and he did not do it. And then the case you know, was created and he was pulled in, and I believe in exchange for testifying, he did not go to jail. And then he later, at the beginning of Mariah's car- career, hinted that there was one of Mariah's mother's exes was some sort of a problem that they needed to solve for and he five thousand dollars. it for five thousand dollars? Like really? Jesus
0: Christ! Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> grim. It's grim. And so this is the man who's like. He, he kind of like did this like joke callback thing to remind Mariah of their history together to kind of like get her on his side. Mm-hmm. And he brought her to their mom's house, which Mariah bought and designed for her, FYI.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like this uh, the thread that Mariah's really into designing houses, like yeah, interior design. It it.
2: Yeah, yep. she's got great taste, again. Um, she like literally falls asleep for the first time in what sounds like weeks. Her mom comes home wakes her up, and Mariah loses it. She basically, like, she, she says, uh, my rage took over. I couldn't see, I couldn't hear, I couldn't feel my body. And she just gets into this mode where she starts screaming at her mother, kind of mocking her, like, saying things back to her, just kind of all of the rage and trauma that has boiled over for years and years comes out. And her mother calls the cops on her. And
1: I love Jesus what she Christ. says about this, about, like, how her mom... When she feels vaguely unsafe, she leans into her whiteness. Yes, calls police. <laughs> yes, like one thousand percent. It's like such white woman nonsense. Oh my god, <laughs> your own daughter. It's so, yeah.
2: so she yeah. She talks about she's like when the cops came, she gave them like a knowing look, which felt like some sort of white woman in distress cop mode.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ.
2: Awful. So that they they deal with that. I don't think she was actually like charged with anything or or like you know taken into. Custody, as far as I'm aware, but her brother basically sends her to a spa, which is not a spa, it's an institution that she is unable to check herself out of. Jesus. Uh, And it's staffed by, at one point, she's talking to an administrator, basically sharing what the hell has happened to her to get to this point where she's talking about being exhausted and hounded by her label, etc. And the guy says to her, Looks like you need a dose of humility. What the fuck? Garbage.
1: (laughs) And then, okay, so she doesn't talk about it in the book, but Mm -hmm. back in 2018, she did put out, she wrote a piece for people talking about her bipolar diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And she was diagnosed bipolar around this time. And that's when she starts, you know, taking medication and stuff. And so people were kind of like, not pleased that she didn't really address it, Mm. you know, in the book i just kind like, i don't know. It's, she doesn't owe us anything. Like, yeah. she doesn't want to talk about it. She's not going to talk about it. Yeah. But like that, there is that context there, and so I—I I think people, because we're so evolved about mental health, like I think people are like they want her to admit that, like I, I don't know. It's like they want like sorted details. They want her to talk about how like oh she actually did go crazy and she should admit that she's crazy mm. and th- or that or deserves. that it would
0: like indicate to the 2020 audience some kind of that she has reached some kind of like radical acceptance with it right uh, that, that you have to like embrace or be honest as part of your identity these kinds of things if you want to be in like a healthy relationship with them I mean that seems to be at least online the uh, overwhelming the hegemonic feeling about um, uh, you know mental health is that you have to really really embrace it if it, you know so I, I mean I could see the people Wanting it to be investigated in the book, but then there is also, of course, the uh, the tawdry element of it of just like give us give us the juice, give us the juice. Morale, yeah, I think all people want this is like
1: the most probably the most like mysterious time period because considering how publicized it was, none of us really know exactly like what went down. Yeah, and yeah. So it's like I think I think people just wanted more like tawdry details, or they wanted her to. Or I think because, like, the the stigma of her being, like, kind of crazy or loopy, or whatever, has, like, followed her for so long. And I mm-hmm. guess people, I think, it, yeah, I guess you're right, Chris, that, like, people want either, like, radical acceptance, they want her to own it, or they want her to, like, admit that, like, she was deserving of it, mm-hmm. almost. Right? Like, oh, we were right. You did go crazy. You you are actually bipolar, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's really creepy. Just, like, that weird, creepy, like, entitlement that we have for, towards celebrities. Yeah. I don't like it. Yep. So
2: yeah she uh you know, after that uh not spa that she goes to, her brother then suggests she go to Los Angeles to another location, which ends up being a hardcore detox and rehab center, and that's where she is when nine eleven happens. She says she is in l a uh emerging, I guess, from that rehab center, drugged, devastated, and alone. Well, I think they let her out early. <laughs>
0: Because nine eleven happened, yeah, <laughs> so they were like, like, we've got bigger problems now.
2: The equivalent of like taking her out of class, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like
1: literally, exactly.
2: Oh my god, Did, oh. does she
1: have any relationship to substances in the book at all? She doesn't talk about it, but it's kind of like we know she has a thing
0: with alcohol.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, she probably pills, but you know, you can't confirm. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I like, guess because she's a celebrity. Like, yeah, that's the thing that I
0: kind <laughs> of assume that at a certain level, especially those high performance celebrities, like pop star, that it, there's just like kind of ambient speed.
1: Exactly, like Adderall yeah. and or volume for sure. Yeah, like, totally. yeah, totally. Yeah, um, she doesn't. She doesn't talk about it in the book, um, and like I don't know. Like, it's, I th- I think. Partial part of that, I think, is because it's like something that she either is still kind of dealing with, or is something that she kind of recently resolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's probably it's too soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. She's got. She's got to write another book.
3: Yeah,
2: she's. I think uh, she's got more material. There's, she
1: talks about like being. I think she's like in either the first institution... I think it was the first institution where she's um she's watching the TV and that's when she finds out that Aaliyah died in the plane crash. Right. And like it was. Particularly sad because you know a few weeks ago, Aaliyah had given this interview. Like someone asked her about Mariah, and she was like, "Well, I just, I, I'm just wishing for the best for Mariah. I hope she's doing better." Blah 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 blah. And it was just like, I don't know, it was just a sad little moment. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about like deceased celebrities in this book.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she the-
1: she like obviously
2: says like rest in peace ODB. She talks about Biggie, who was supposed to be on a remix of hers at some point. Like you can kind of see the she talks about Whitney. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Whitney, Prince, Michael. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. Sad. Like, it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I imagine she must look around just being like, yeah, th- thank God I am alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, sure. So she, that that's, I would I would say, seems like the low point. I mean, she's had a tough life throughout, but that's like the low point of her adult life. And she seeks out more therapy. She seeks out a relationship with God. Um yeah. she, she gets dropped from virgin, of course, dropped from virgin like bought out for way less than the original contract I think she I, ends bul- up I believe Rhode it's
0: Island? like a, a something like a quarter or a third yeah. of the original con- yeah contract yeah not bad I mean well, still you know yeah sure.
1: also okay have, have you ever seen have seen glitter the movie I have not seen glitter, so I, I watched I it this year because i was i it was kind of like a sore spot for me <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> just yeah, because yeah. i don't know because i knew like she had all these negative attachments towards it and so i just never wanted to watch it oh we will say the the soundtrack slays it was ahead of its time we weren't ready for 80s throwback in 2001 But it's, it's good it's legitimately good yeah so i watched it recently and the thing is it was ahead of its time because that's a netflix movie it's 1,000% a Netflix, Hulu. It's a streaming mm. movie. Mm. And the thing is, we weren't ready for streaming movies back then because wow. it was a major motion picture. This so literally, had it, had it come out on Netflix like last week, it would be number one trending. In
0: wow. The 1, I, could, I totally can imagine what you're saying because it's probably got that very slick, well-produced, but ultimately like just goes down smooth and then you so kind of don't think about it content. It's just,
1: yeah. It's just kind of like janky, like not fully baked. <laughs> and she talks about it. Cause it's, it's not fully baked. Cause there's all kinds of sabotage. It was supposed to be like a rated R movie and it mm-hmm. gets degraded to like PG 13. And like, it's just, it's not, I don't know. It's kind of disjointed. You can tell there's a lot of stuff that was cut out and, it, it ends up kind of being like a bargain bin like a star is born mm-hmm. like. mm. <laughs> so yeah not, I mean, not, I, not a great I, movie I, but that's not, not that bad Like it's not I, that I bad will...
0: I would like to watch it at some point. Maybe I'd do a double feature between that and Crossroads, which I have uh, yeah. also never seen.
2: Wait, you've never seen Crossroads? Uh, no,
0: <laughs> I think you have played it in the background while I've done something else, but I've never watched it. I was probably like editing ep- podcast this was like episodes. While I was this yeah. is like prime
1: Britney. This is like Britney like at her hottest. Yeah, like, uh- <laughs> I, went, I went
2: to I went to see that movie with like fourteen other girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way to see that movie. Yeah. yeah. just a huge screaming, giggling exactly. Pack of so, yeah, that's that, That's the darkest point. Um, her therapist is like, please, I, lo- I love this advice, please change your cast of characters. Yes. <laughs> great advice for anyone who's maybe looking around themselves, wondering why things are so fucked up. Look at your cast of characters. Well, you know, that's that's you. great
0: therapy advice for uh, maybe a struggling normal person, but when you're literally locked into your cast of characters through, like, an, an industry contract, I mean... It, yeah. It's a little tougher to be actionable uh, when you're somebody in like uh you know us let's say a celebrity pop star's shoes. Yeah. You're like but contractually you're obligated to see people. Like, yeah.
1: You can maybe it's get hard to cut off your family. family. Yeah. How much yeah. they suck? Like yeah. it's hard. Like. Right. <laughs> so yeah, sure. that's
2: that. That's that. You know the I I appreciate that she kind of closes out the end of the book just doing chapters of like celebrities that she's admired and like uh, yes. positive experiences she's no, had she talks about
1: oh my gosh she talks about like locking eyes with tupac yeah like the american music award just looking random like they had like a moment like, a yeah little, like, eye contact moment it's extremely yeah, funny she talks about like um uh, meeting like diana ross or, like top of the pops or whatever yep oh my god, she talks about doing vh1 divas live and she shades Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. And it's hilarious. It's so good. I had so to look it up because I don't.
2: I didn't. I definitely watched that yes. pr- program, <laughs> but I was like, "Who is she talking about?" That she says is showing up Aretha Franklin, who the night was honoring, with her. You know, going a little hard on the le- on the uh, you know the ups and downs, death, and of course, yeah. I
0: look it up and I am like
1: Celine. <laughs> Hilarious. <We> pull up.
0: <laughs> so, so the the book kind of ends with her like recovery after the post glitter era. Yeah,
1: like she like briefly skims over the follow up album Charm Bracelet, which mm-hmm. is like for like it's like it's very like R and B. Doesn't really have any hits, but like it was a good album. It was a good album. Um, so she talks about that, and then she talks about the Emancipation of Mimi, mm-hmm. and this Let's is see, a story now. I-
0: like I remember that, like this, mm-hmm. this was enough yeah. into my like pop cultural consciousness that you know I guess th- being aware that the the post glitter era is what we would now call the flop era. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. and th- and this being a a genuine a generally well received comeback that has more or less like stabilized her career. And exactly. I mean, again, we, we've we've taught all these '90s artists, you really have to flop in the beginning of the 2000s to come back and and if you can make it like reestablish yourself as like, no, now I am, now I am part of like the elite, the legends, the VH1 divas.
3: Yes.
0: (laughs) Uh, You know, like, like you kind of almost nobody who made it in the nineties, like made it through that millennial transition. Uh, And obviously each person's story is different without Mm -hmm. going through this, this specific gauntlet.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And like, we're even seeing it now. And like, I don't know, people who were popular in like 2010, 2010, aren't really popular now yeah Hi like katie perry katie perry like- <laughs> oh, we, it we,
0: love- it. we love talking about Katy perry's bizarre career shitting on,
1: on Katy perry on this program i
2: believe i believe she can she needs she's gonna need a really good idea but yeah if she can yeah. find someone to give her that good idea yeah. i think we'll be back in business
0: yeah she needs to make her songwriter's album with tony bennett oh god oh, well
1: but Um, yeah so she does the emancipation of mimi and like huge accolades like we belong together iconic song gigantic song gigantic song she gets she gets two number ones from that album and it's funny because she actually i think she talks about this how she we belong together blocked her her secretary her no, her third single, Shake It Off, getting to number one. Like, she was blocking herself from getting another number one. Like, that's how... That she was just this juggernaut in, like, 2005, and, like... I don't... Did she talk about working with Kanye? No, I don't think she really talks about working with Kanye. But, like, she worked with, like, Kanye and, like, Pharrell. Like, she was working with, like, all, all the hot producers at the mm-hmm. time.
0: The guys who had become the ninety, The 2000s producers. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, she had, you know, the Neptune song, and she had the yeah. Kanye song, and all that stuff. And then she talks about meeting Nick Cannon... And she's very, very nice about him. I think because he's a father for kids. Yeah. And so she talks about how he makes her feel young and fun <laughs> and childlike. And it's like, yeah, he was like a man, Like one
2: thousand percent. Like the yeah. way the way she described that when she met him, he was wearing a curious, oversized, nautical inspired ensemble. And then she <laughs> like later a she suit? <laughs> Like she later describes that he is always eating candy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, i like, I feel like describing Nick Cannon as curious is just like the perfect like he's a curious fellow. Yeah, 1000%. he's a playful. Here's what I'll say about Nick
2: Cannon: I don't really know his business at all, but I he's a great male host. You know, we're talking yes. we know we're talking about Carson Daly, yep. but Nick Cannon has a, a very natural aura as a yes. host that I appreciate. In you know, like America's Got Talent, Got Talent. or whatever. Yeah. Does he do the mass singer as well? He did. I don't know if he still does. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's that's hard. That's not easy. And I would like to appreciate Nick Cannon for that. Yeah.
0: I do. I appreciate people who end up being in those host roles because, A, it's necessary. But also, just like, I'm always impressed when a celeb or a person in like Nick Cannon's position can find a way to continue being famous and well known without doing anything like big for, or like, like two like decades. Or, like, having yeah, or like any kind being, of,
2: like, specific creative
0: project that they feel like Yeah, yeah, or, like, a, t- a movie personally. or new album or, drum like, line. stuff.
2: drum Drumline.
0: He did drum, hello Drumline, Obviously, yeah. but Favorite I'm movie. saying that he hasn't <laughs> done, du- he hasn't had anything, like, a, a movie, like, big since then. Like, yes. no. he has had it. He did, a like, part.
1: Wild It Out. That's kind of, like, his big... Yeah moment yeah and then like he was like kind of grinding it out like at Nickelodeon like doing like executive producing stuff for like a while yeah next thing you know he's like he's everywhere so he's like yeah. kind of like he's like the Ryan Seacrest yes types. yes
2: <laughs> and, and way less obnoxious in yes. my humble less um, posited, the, but Anyway, the end of the book that I really appreciated is that she sort of combines these like two vibes of hers where she says she's talking about raising her kids and how she surrounded them by her uninterrupted love, basically just yeah. trying to like break this cycle of having kids in these like turmoil, traumatic situations, which I love. Although I'm sure, listen, they're going to have their own problems because they <laughs> grew up being Mariah <laughs> Exactly. Kid. But like she, she says, you'll never be able to say that I did not unconditionally and constantly love them but then she's also is kind of almost equally as hype about the fact that all i want for christmas is you becomes a number one song in 2019 which is her 19th number one she's like great thanks guys (laughs) (laughs) i love christmas i love this song and i love getting number one songs
0: i wonder if it'll come back because i mean it it is uh we were talking about this uh, briefly recently is like the rare feat of getting number ones in multiple decades. Yes. And she certainly has like the natural number ones of you know in in, ni- in the 90s and 2000s of uh, like from you know her, her regular albums and then just like if she can get one more time this decade All I Want for Christmas to hit number one I mean hit getting number ones in four different decades is a huge huge feat.
1: Well I think she already did it with this last this last holiday season.
0: Did it hit number one again? Yeah. Great. So I think It'd she already broke her. that
1: record. Yeah. So maybe in 20... Well, uh, it probably will. The way streaming works out, by 2030, she might hit it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, yeah. And speaking of her kids, so something that this book highlighted is, you know, she always talks about how she doesn't like talking about aging. Mm-hmm. And she talks about being eternally 12. Mm-hmm. And then it's like really jarring though when you hear about what happened to her when she was 12. You know, this mm-hmm. is when she was, like, practically being, like, pimped out by her sister and, like, all like being bullied by, like, her classmates. And so it's, like, oh. Yeah. Dark. like <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm, like, I don't yeah. want you to be eternally 12 if it's like that. <laughs> yeah. No, but I really, yeah, it, it is really sweet to hear her just talk about how, like, she wants to, that's why she's so into Christmas. She wants to create, like, a festive moment because her Christmas has always sucked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. people were always crying or there was always violence or chaos and it's, like. You know, she, yeah, she create, was like a Christmas moment. She was like describing
2: like the Christmas of finding out that all I want for Christmas is you went uh, number one again or, or hit number one. And uh, just like the idyllic scene. She's like, there's, you know, I'm buzzed on schnapps. <laughs> 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 there's cookies baking like everyone's yeah. together.
1: It's snowing. I'm like, good for you, Mariah Carey. Exactly. I'm happy for you. And then she kind of talks about how she her her current boyfriend. Brian tanaka who's like a backup dancer and i don't know i have emotions about like these super successful women dating like backup dancers mm. i don't know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. okay you know it's like, uh, what are you gonna do but like no he seems to make her happy and like so that's kind of how she like ends the book it's like she has her man and her kids and <laughs> you know like <laughs> so nice. and she talks about the fans she talks about how she wishes that social media were like a thing Back in like two thousand and one, because yes. like oh, my fans would have like stood up for me, and it's like
2: <laughs> Ugh. right, or like either either they maybe people wouldn't have been ride or die or like they would have like doxed carson daly 's mom <laughs> <laughs> literally <I> mean, yes
0: <laughs> more time to to become even more insane on it, but I do like that she like does actively use her like Twitter account in fact. A uh, friend of the show, past and future guest, Matthew Perpetuo, just got an art, a QT from Mariah Carey what? within the last month, uh, which is, I mean, I was impressed uh, for him. Oh, no, totally. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he, he was doing this fun game of just, like, posting who the headliners of the MSG were in, like, 1987 and being like, all right, you can only go see two of these shows. Who are you picking? Yeah. got a little steam, and she QT'd it and, and said the, the two that you were, which I forget which ones he said. but I believe I was Eddie Murphy. Eddie with Murphy and um, Luther, Luther Vandross. Vandross.
1: Oh, good pick, Tastes. Um
0: Yeah, I bet it was. You could tell by the way it was written, like it was just very organically. Like she s- somehow saw this and like made a post about it, which I I always appreciate uh, seeing that. You know, she she ha- has she's a bit of a poster herself.
2: <laughs> totally poster spirit. Yeah, Aww. I mean,
0: I guess the thing that my major takeaway from this is just like being very impressed with her her command of her self in her career even if she's had to you know kind of escape from some some harrowing situations and and trapped moments between her first marriage and like her her period of over demand from in the virgin contract but to come through it all with like the ability to look at the very first contract handed to her and say no this is not correct Mm. and just like yeah being the writer and producer of all of her own material uh is very impressive considering just how good those songs are. You know, you feel like usually for uh, people who are, who have a voice that great that, you know, that is a talent enough on its own. And and usually they don't have the songwriter, let alone the producer credits Mm on it. So exactly, just having that full all around command of her uh, entire uh, career instrument production, uh, a, a thoroughly impressive individual. And to do it to such great heights of, of you know, such commanding uh, success and sales and, and dominance of, of pop mm-hmm. culture. Yes.
1: Yeah. No, 1000%. And I think it's really, I don't know, like when she's kind of recounting all of, their, all of her peers who are like no longer with us, who aren't, mm-hmm. that, weren't that much older than her, really. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I don't know, I just have to think of like how she must feel of kind of being like the last one standing. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. Like,
3: Right, I don't know. she's just like what, like kind. what
1: made her different, or like what? Because it's like, I mean, she could have easily not, you know, like it, things could have easily not turned out the way that they did. Totally, know? yeah. She's <laughs> it's of, very yeah, dark. She's, she,
0: it is, yeah. She is of, of a very specific class too, of like when she when she came out. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. she's great. Mariah's great.
1: Yeah, it's like her and Madonna, who have <laughs> yeah. kind of weird beef. I don't, I still don't know the origins of that, but I don't
2: know either. I mean, Madonna seems to not love sharing space with anybody. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't like being said in the same sentence as anyone else, which I, that's just Leo business. So I <laughs> understand.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the one last thing that I'll, I'll also say about uh, Mariah is that she always seems very chill in public appearances, considering how like prickly and successful you could be to be in that position. She uh, always seems, you know, very enthusiastic and kind I of I think she's locally a people pleaser. Yeah. I was
1: watching her reality show. She had a reality show back in, like, late 2016, cursed year. Um, but, <laughs> so it was, like, it was on E! And so I was watching it, and, like, it was following her on her, like, big tour, which was, it, it was crazy. So basically, she had this Las Vegas residency, and then her team was like, oh, let's get you on a world tour with two weeks to prepare. It was, like, literally was insane. Um, but anyway, so it's, like, Watching this show, it's like she's so... She's, like, too nice, honestly, considering how she has this diva reputation. Because, like, her employees would come to her with, like, their weird petty grievances that she'd have to mediate. And, like, she was just kind of like, I just want to support the... I just want to be here for the fans. It's all about the fans. And it's like everyone around her is, like, total chaos energy. And she's just kind of like... I just want to sing. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, like that's really, like she just wants to sing and have fancy things and have everything run on time around her, you know, like just that's simple. All she wants. Yeah. Doesn't, it yeah. doesn't take
2: much to make her happy. Yeah. My final thought um Mariah just completely piecemeal is that I was very impressed to hear that she enjoys smoking weed, but that she does yeah. not inhale <laughs> weed. Uh, she, I it a night where she was hanging out with Cameron, and he <laughs> administered very effective shotguns uh, because she's got to preserve her vocal cords, but she still likes to get high. So uh, <laughs> love that. Oh I my love god! That for her. Have you
1: seen that that picture of her? And I think it's in L.A. and she's in this like beautiful Alaya gown, and she's like leaving a dispensary. She, like, <laughs> I have not seen that. She, she seems that chill. <laughs> Yeah I bet, I bet she's oh, I forgot into she edible ca- game the camera situation. Yeah I think they totally hooked up. She doesn't really talk about that. She's yeah, like, the, the way she's she's like talks I don't She's like I don't date
2: rappers. She's like okay. late night like driving <laughs> in a like sexy <laughs> fast car.
1: I'm like we all He's know She's
0: shotgunning this uh, smoke in into her mouth. mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. yeah,
1: like totally. But she's like no, no. She has a no rappers rule. I'm like I respect that, but I don't believe you. <laughs> Um, uh, any any final thoughts
2: from from you about about our girl?
1: I don't know. Re- reading the book, it just really deepened my parasocial relationship to her. <laughs> like it was really, I, it really, it really just kind of crystallized so much of like what's already been like her music, and I'm just really glad that she was able to have this renaissance while she's still a lot like i'm sorry mm-hmm. to make it all bleak but, but it's like yeah i feel like it happens a lot right where people kind of fall into obscurity and then it's like something tragic has to happen for people to be like oh wow they were really great mm-hmm. and it's like no actually people are realizing that like she's really great and she's like here to enjoy it and appreciate it and it's like yeah she wrote all of her number one hits and she's a producer and she has like amazing taste, and she's really well respected and people like her and it's like no, it's like, like he's a legend. Like we don't have a lot of legends anymore. Mm. You know? Yes. Like, let's just be yes. grateful that we still have a legend. Yes. yes. And a legend
2: who wrote, uh, you know, co-wrote a really good, funny, poignant book. Yes. And I will be taking some life lessons from her, most notably being gracious about people who have wronged me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I'm you know I don't I'm not having this Drake attitude anymore of Not wanting revenge break. everyone's out to get you like, <laughs> <laughs> Just got a lot a of cute got a lot paranoia of yeah no, totally. just, I, I just love i love her attitude that you you got to pick your battles and don't come for someone who you've already left behind i think that's yeah, that's cool. yeah.
3: well
0: with love that her. gracious attitude of uh you know being gracious towards our enemies may, may we all do that mm-hmm. uh let us let us move confidently into the end part of this episode Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Thank you you so much for suggesting the topic.
1: (laughs) Um,
0: Unless you have anything uh, specific that you would like to plug, people can find you on Twitter at it's jazz. It's a Jasmine. It's
2: a Jasmine.
1: Yes, or follow my new um, nostalgia Instagram. Nice. It's it's called Black Bubblegum Pod. I don't have a podcast. I thought I would have one, but I changed my mind. So (laughs) Black Bubblegum Pod, and it's all about. I just post like music videos and pictures from like the late 90s and early aughts and it's like super fun and it's not all like mean girls and paris hilton like the 17 year olds do so. yeah oh <laughs>
2: we love we love to hear it yeah those, those accounts are a little one note so this yeah. sounds like it's it's uh got some, <laughs> got some range which i'm very excited I, for
0: i love a good uh vibes slash aesthetic instagram account so totally. looking that up right now
2: yeah hell yeah
0: uh molly you got anything that you need to plug
2: um will nothing. your zine
0: have dropped by oh, now
2: i think it probably will have um yes. i should i just printed it today i love I made how a zine. i
0: always have to tell you what your own <laughs> plugs are
2: i, you put, I appreciate you uh, real husband energy yeah yes. <laughs> Th- thank you for for giving me giving me that uh that boost yes i made a zine <laughs> it's called party rock it's party rock volume one so there will oh, be obsessed. more volumes i'm
1: obsessed I, with your party rock aesthetic yes. Um, yes. it's
2: it's been bringing me a lot of uh, joy this spring and summer just thinking about party rock and the values of it, the aesthetic <laughs> of it. So I wrote a, an essay about LMFAO, and then I interviewed a couple people. I interviewed this woman, Laura June Kirsch, who is a photographer who took a lot of photos for like House of Vans and The Village Voice at this era of like late aughts, early tens. And then I talked to my former colleague, Dave Fonte, who is a drinks expert and journalist about party rock beverages such as... Or loco and sparks uh, and weird flavored like smirnoffs. So that scene, it's going to be available. I'm going to promo it on Twitter and yeah, party rock Yay. line one. Print printed media,
0: printed media. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm. I can't ask <laughs> these. I Chapa. can't ask these wonderful people to uh, subscribe to Citra Premium to listen to of President, so I won't. Uh, you <laughs> can find Chapo anywhere? Uh, you can find our <laughs> <laughs> Infinite, our Infinite Jess podcast, uh, Infinite Cast, <laughs> Infinite Cast uh, that exists somewhere. That that you know, I, I've been having a lot of fun with that one as well. Subscribe
1: so. to Chapo for clear skin and positive vibes only. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. I will
0: let you plug on my behalf. Yes, uh, but with that. Um, We'll wrap up. Thank you again, Jasmine. Um, this has been And Introducing, a um whenever we feel like a podcast uh, <laughs> covering music music and musicians. You can find us on Twitter at and intro pod, or you can send us an email and introducing pod at gmail.com. Um our SoundCloud is as always at soundcloud.com slash and intro pod. Uh, I believe that's all the things I plug at the end of this episode. I don't know. <laughs> we'll uh, we're gonna sign off now, but oh, uh, we'll be uh, back.
1: Wait, review, subscribe.
0: Oh yes, okay. thank you. Yes,
1: uh, <laughs> wait, review, subscribe. We haven't got um tell many, many
0: new uh reviews recently yet. Tell a friend. God, I always forget tell a friend, and that's the most important <laughs> one. Uh, yeah, screw screw algorithmic re- recommendations. Mm. Uh, tell a friend that you enjoy the the pod and try to spread the word through of mouth. Alright, that's it. We've gone super long here. I'm going to go ahead and sign (laughs) off. Uh, See you again soon on And Introducing. Bye.